like they're trying a pass up the middle. What are they doing? Seriously, why would they do that, man? I can't with this team anymore. I'm telling you that right now, okay? I have no idea what they're doing. Carter hands off to Perkins. Why are you running? Why would they do that? What the fuck is he doing, man? He gets paid for this? What would make them think that that's a good idea? Why must this guy get again? Wait, why is that guy handing the ball to that guy? And then why is that guy running? And what are the lines on the field mean? Why is the ball shaped that way, man? Is his paycheck direct deposit? How does he get paid? Why are they dressed like that? Why aren't they dressed like us? Who are the people in the seats? What are their names? Why are they smashing into each other? Whoa, whoa, why did everybody stop running? What do those whistle sounds mean? Why is there one guy with a striped shirt? Why stripes? The Marauders call a timeout, and we'll be right back after these messages. Hey! Okay. <laughs> Good game. Great game. At Burger Hut, we know fresh. Pink circles on the grill? Oh, what's that sizzling sound? No, the pink circles of brown circles? No. Is that brown circle going into a mouth? It is! Oh, the boys and their football. I asked Ryan to explain it to me once, and I just no. didn't get it. What the fuck is going on? I don't know. You're listening to Entertainment Landfill. Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. Liz. Yeah. My husband couldn't make it. What are you doing here? Ted and I are on a Let's Save Our Marriage European vacation, which I thought was going well until I caught him texting with you. Hey, gal pals. I'm Stephen. I'll be helping you ladies out. Have you had a chance to take a peek at the menu? Just a bottle of wine. We don't care what kind. Oh, liquid lunch. Well, I'm sure it's wine o'clock somewhere, right? (laughs) Listen, I am so sorry. You need to know the only reason I came here was to end it for good. You're not dressed like you were here to end it. Nice padded bra, by the way. I didn't mean to fall in love with your husband. (laughs) No. (laughs) You're not the victim here. Which of you gals would like to taste the wine? No, gal, just get out of here. take this guy anymore. You got to get in there. You're pushing his buttons. That's what you do. I'm not. The guy's full of shit. I get it. Eddie Pinizzi doesn't suffer fools. But hey, sometimes you got to suck it up and apologize. I'm not apologizing to this guy. He controls your certification. Just apologize. And not one of those half-assed apologies you do. You know, like the... Uh, 
Sorry. Oh, that's how I say I'm yeah, sorry? That's how you say it. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's yeah. what I do. I'm sorry. Okay, check this out. Sorry. <laughs> totally insincere. I don't believe it for a second. You do it. All right, watch. Ready? I'm sorry. The worst. What are you talking about? The worst. Also fake. Check this out. Sorry. I'm really sorry. I never meant to hurt you. I swear. I'm so sorry. Straight up. I'm sorry. Don't you blame yourself. I did it. I'm sorry. Holy shit, man. I... I am so sorry. How could I? I'm so sorry. It's my fault. I didn't even think about you. It's my fault. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm f- sorry. Come here. Sorry. Hey, uh, what'd you guys do to each other? <laughs> The Jstrom. Did I sound that out right? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about film, television, pop culture. We also do the show live on Mixler.com slash something. I don't even know Unless what that is. Unless the time runs out. Then it... Yeah. The time won't run out tonight. <laughs> that only happened once. and It'll never happen again. Mixler.com slash NimPodcast. But if you're listening to this now, you're listening to it live and you know that already. And uh, stuff like that. You know what's funny is last week I we were kind of out of sorts because well, I was running late. Yeah, w- I started the feed like way early, like forty five minutes before you got here. We have three hours to be live, so when we started running late, it was like you're getting cut off. Your three hours is up, and I was like, no, no. So there was a lot of stuff that you know that I didn't get. We were distracted, is yeah, what yeah, I'm trying yeah. to say. Like, for instance, on last week's uh, break, I threw in a little Easter egg for myself. Like, no one gets my Easter eggs, so I throw them in there for myself. And a long time ago, do you remember when the Dallas Stars used to play on Channel 27? Yeah. They used to be on Channel 27 and Fox Sports Southwest. But now they're just on Fox Sports only. Yeah. Uh, But they used to be on Channel 27, which is kind of like our local station that plays like old episodes of friends or yeah. the office or something like that old movies on Saturday. And, uh, is it UPN? Something like that. But they also show old episodes of Maury Povich, Montel Williams. And there used to be this guy, there was this rapper on a commercial. He was wearing a Dallas stars Jersey. They'd always play this during the Dallas stars games during the commercial breaks. And he would rap about Maury Povich and Montel Williams. And I thought it was hilarious. And I'd always laugh at how horrible it was. And I put it in the break. And I meant to reference that last week. And I totally forgot to. Let's see if you remember this at all. I don't know if you pay attention to commercial breaks. Like you're just chilling there on the couch. Yeah, it's a commercial. You're just chilling on the couch, looking at your phone or whatever. And this comes on. The Montel and Maury Show. It's the Montel and Maury Show. What? 
Do you remember that? I don't remember that at all. That's funny, though. <laughs> My favorite part is this. What? The what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that about? What? I just, I, it's so cheap. They're, the rap goes on for a long time, and it's just, it's funny. It's hilarious. The, um, but it's funny to me. I don't know if it's funny to anybody else. <laughs> I'm sure Heather would well, go, can you turn that down? Um, I don't want to hear that. And they go, what? No, no, it's the Montelamori guy. Come on. The only, only to people who watched the stars back then on Channel 27 would get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why? <laughs> but I just want to tell you guys about that. Now, I want to get to the Witcher Book Club, guys. I'm currently on page 194 of the book. Uh, what is it called? The Last, the Wish? Last Wish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had to reference that. Uh, the last two days, I've read quite a bit, and it's good stuff. I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, Ross, he texted me. He's like, I can't wait to talk about this with you, because I want to right now, but I don't want to spoil anything, or, you know, we're not ready. We've got to, uh, you know be done with the book and then we unleash. I'd love for Ross to be on the show too and talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So Steven, how far are you in the book? I ordered it. Nice. So do you think you'll get it this week? Yeah, it'll be here tomorrow. Awesome. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun. A lot of cool world building. Uh, it's funny because as I understand, this book is a book of short stories, but they're all intertwined. Remember, I talked about it last week where maybe it was like being printed in a magazine or something, like yeah. week to week or something, because it feels like a novel. It doesn't feel like separate stories. It'll even set up like... Uh, well, I mean, he did that. Uh, Stephen King did it with the Green Mile. He put it in, in the little episodes. It, yeah, uh, chapters. Six chapters, I think it was. Yeah, so that... I At first, you know, when I read the list of books you had to read, I was like, short stories, that's interesting. But it it doesn't feel like separate stories. It feels like... Like he, as he was writing them, he was like, I'm going to turn this into a book when I'm done. You know, just put them all together. That's what it feels like. What would you call that? Like an anthology or is an anthology all different stories? Uh, I think that would, an anthology is like all of them together, right? Yeah. It's like, or is it like every, I can only think of it in terms of a TV show. It's a different story every week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, these are different stories containing the main character, the Witcher. I can't wait for you to get to know Geralt of Rivia. He's a very interesting character. And I'm trying to learn his uh, abilities and stuff. Um, it, what's funny in books like this is that a lot of people have very strange names. And I'm just like, uh, okay. Like in my head, I'm trying to sound it out. I'm like, I'm just going to call him this just as I go on. And uh, I want to reference, I've listened to some of the audiobook, but stuff I've already read to hear how he pronounces stuff. Or yeah. he does great voices of characters. And I'm just like, wow, this guy's really good. Who's doing it? The, um, the writer or? Uh, no, no. It's some, um, it's, I, I looked him up. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, I'm just going to type it in real quick because I, I think he's really good. I'll see you here. See what we're doing here. Oh, Peter Kenny. Have you ever heard of him? Never. He does. It looks like he does all of the books and he does a really, uh, I like his voice for Geralt, but I love when somebody, uh, has a problem with the Witcher and they're like, 
You say, right there, come here. And he's like, starts insulting. I know who you are. You're a damn brigand. And he's like, uh, you con man, you loathsome scum. You know, stuff like that. I uh, just love his voices as like a whiny ninny guy <laughs> yelling at the witcher or something. It's very entertaining. And there's a part where he encounters uh, a beast. Uh, it seems like uh, most beasts, creatures, they can communicate in some way. And his voices for monsters and stuff is really good, too. So he's having a lot of fun. Peter Kenny, he's good. Good stuff. Hi, Jessica. I do remember those rapping commercials. <laughs> the Chronicles of Barney. I think it was referencing the Andy Griffith show. I think I remember that, too. They had goofy commercials on Channel 27. Somebody there was, like, meant for greater things, and he was just, like, entertaining himself. Do you yeah. think that's what it was? But I'm excited about the Witcher Book Club, guys. Hopefully, Stephen, uh, you can blow through that. Let me ask you this. Like, you go out of town for the week, and you're uh, you're working. When do you get back to the hotel? Do you read it all, or do you mostly read? Where do you it, it read It depends mostly? on my mo- mood. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, I w- would get back after work, and I would probably read, and it's like, then I'd be like, I'm hungry. It's like, I, you know... <laughs> Not paying attention to time or anything. Can so. I tell you the the way I read now? Because I get sleepy a lot of times when I start reading. I stand up in the kitchen and I hold the book and I'm standing up reading. It's weird, but I don't get sleepy standing up. I will. I read in bed a lot. Mm-hmm. See, I... Yeah, like, I, I tried to read sitting on the couch earlier today. Like, I was done with all the clips and stuff. And I was like, let me read a... Let's try to get through ten pages. And I was like... Oh god, I'm getting sleepy. I tried it on the plane, and yeah, no good. I'm not yeah. on the plane. With- That's why I think the audiobook is good. Like, uh, like Ross, he's listening to the audiobook, and I was like, I've listened to the guy. He does a great job, and the fact that he reads all the books, I think, is comforting because you know you're going to have the same voice yeah. for all the characters and stuff. That's pretty cool. So just buckle up, man. Get ready for the ride. So, uh, like. You never finished the Reckoner series, though, did you? I only uh, read the first book, Steelheart. Did you read all of those? Yeah, I've read them all. How many are there? Four. Four of them. There's the, there's the, there's three main books, and then there's kind of one like a win through the keyhole, a separate little story. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that one is what is that one? I can't remember. Uh, it's about the girl. When mm-hmm. she finds out her power. Wow, that was so long ago that I read <laughs> Steelheart. But I enjoyed it, Brandon Sanderson. And he mostly does sword and sorcery stuff, doesn't yeah. he? And that was like a side venture. Have you read any other kind of sword and sorcery type books? No. Because, you know, a lot of people like into Game of Thrones. I never read any of those. And I I mean, I read the, the Stephen King book, The something dragon eyes of the dragon eyes of the dragon yeah that's it and that's in that kind of like medieval times well that's supposed to, that's one of the kind of dark tower tied in books yeah too. The, there's a guy named flag in it so it's kind of loose it's in there it's you know in yeah. the dark tower universe as all of his books are i guess um what's interesting about the witcher series is you just have to like okay like a lot of stuff exists here like not just humans, but magic and all that. It's like a regular thing. Yeah. And I'm kind of wrapping my mind around that. That's why a lot of people, I guess if you and I lived in a time where there were like people who had magic 
and there were bad people, good people, or whatever, you would start to like, well, oh, damn sorcerer, <laughs> you know, you know, like keep them, you know, there's people who have curses on them and stuff like that. So I can understand why we might have a problem with a witcher coming into town. Okay, guys, uh, I have some voicemail. Get out of here. Yeah, let's play some voicemail. And this is exciting. I had a voicemail, a new voicemail from a listener. Long-time listener, first-time caller, I believe. If he's like, no, I sent you guys a voicemail in 2008. I'm like, oh, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) But uh, it's cool whenever we get a voicemail from a, a new listener that I didn't know was there. Let's check out voicemail. And now it's time to hear some voicemail. Yes, that's right. Voicemail. I love the lead up to that. Isn't it great? It's nice. It's very dramatic. All right. This is from Carlos. Let's check it out. Well, good evening to you, you miserable landfill lovers. Hey, Jaystrom. And uh, how you doing, Steven? I am Carlos. Hey. Hey, that, uh, I don't know, that pirate just came out of my mouth. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> hey, guys, I uh, never, never sent in any voicemail before, but uh, I have listened to the show multiple times. Uh, I must say I, I uh, discovered you guys probably two and a half years ago, maybe, while listening to uh, oh, okay. one of my favorite podcasts of all time, The Hollywood Saloon, which you can't get around these parts anymore. Um, that was a great podcast, really well done. Uh, listening to those guys together, it just really, it was just total awesome. And I heard mention of your podcast through them, uh, jumped on board with you guys, and uh, Nora Mulberry was, was my thing. So uh, it was great to uh, listen to what you guys said week to week about uh, just the TV shows, the food shows. To the movies and the video games and the pop culture and, and it, that's just my vibe man I love it and nice. Cake Boss was a little out of my league I mean the, the Cake Boss is alright I get it it's funny I miss Buddy some of the food stuff got a little off track for me like I say I'm, I'm more of a pop culture I love sci-fi I play GTA 5 on Xbox um, uh, I'm an older guy I'm in my 50s believe it or not but uh, I still play the video games, and I'm usually a late-night gamer on a Friday night. I'll log on, and we'll play with some buds, but you know, that's my thing. Um, just to touch base real that's quick awesome. with you guys, I'm on, uh, I'm on the uh, southwestern part of the United States. I'm in a place called Phoenix, Arizona. Actually, I live wow. in a place called Maricopa, Arizona, which is a little suburb of Phoenix. We got Mesa, Tempe, Chandler, um, Apache Junction, Scottsdale. Uh, Casa Grande, it's all a big one conglomerate mass of people that all live here in the Phoenix area, which is what we refer to ourselves uh, as. Uh, and we all live in the uh, Valley of the Sun, which today I think it's 110 degrees, it says on my on my wow. dashboard of my I car as I drive home from work today. And uh, it's a blistering, nasty one. It's been really humid here the last, the last couple of days, and uh, this is just not fun, man. So uh, we take shelter and stay indoors this time of year in Arizona. Well, I just thought I'd check in with you guys. Uh, I did go out and see a few flicks. Uh, caught the new Lion King. I never saw the original Lion King. 
so I don't really have much to compare it to, but the the uh, the CGI live action type look and flick was pretty good. I got a 16 year old daughter, and my wife wanted to see it really bad, so we went out and checked it out at the theater. Really good story. It's just amazing what they can do with CGI these days. I think we finally peaked. I think we're finally there. Uh, expressions and, and just the, the fur on these things just amazing just totally blows you away uh, I don't know where else they can go with CGI anymore these guys these days guys I really don't uh, I, if you look at like, like these these disaster films like the earthquake films and the flooding uh, yeah I mean that, that gets old after a while but to see to see the Lion King up there with the CGI that they've done is just so impressive I mean they've recreated life pretty much with with a computer it's just it's it fools your eye it's just amazing um another film we went out and saw just last weekend was uh, at the alamo draft house theater they're showing a 35 millimeter once upon a time in hollywood oh, nice. awesome movie love tarantino i nice still time. haven't seen all of his films uh reservoir dogs i've seen uh, jackie brown i've seen um uh, pulp fiction of course uh, just recently watched Django Unchained on DVD. Uh, these are great films, man, from a great master of, of, of art. Uh, you've got to see, you've got to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is teaming up these two guys. This is the greatest things that Tarantino's ever done. Uh, love the story. There's really not a lot going on as far as a real evolving heavy story throughout the entire film as a matter of fact it might seem a little long and stretched out to some people that really don't vibe on Tarantino but when you just watch you know you're watching Brad Pitt just cruise down the freeway in LA in 1969 in this big old car and it's, it's just a long drawn out scene of him just cruising down this freeway and you're looking around at the sights around him and everything looks like the 60s it's amazing and you just get that vibe and you hear the music that's being played on the radio and it, it just takes you there it just takes you into that action and there's a cool little story with him and DiCaprio and then there's the, the major plot at the end of the film of course is, is a Tarantino twist that just blows your mind and, and I didn't know where he was going with it until the very last part of the film and I'm sure 90% of the people that went out had no idea that he was going to go where he did but it was a great film if you guys haven't seen it you got to go out and see it it's awesome um, what else have I got to share with you guys today? I think that's about it um, how's our friend in New York doing haven't heard Bill on lately what's going on maybe he'll be on tonight I don't know uh, I do follow Bill on Facebook I do see that he's having a good time over there and, and, and doing things that you do in New York City. I'm glad for him. I'm glad he, he picked up and moved, and, and he's happy with his life, and he's doing his thing. But I do miss his voice on the radio. I hope someday we'll pop him on the podcast and we can share Bill again. Uh, not that Jason and, and Stephen are, are uh, plenty enough for everyone to go around, right? <laughs> That's right. Hey, listen, I'm going to cut it short right here, guys. Bye, guys. I'm going to see you later, and I'll uh, maybe check into you guys next time. It's been great talking to you. Coming to you from the Valley of the Sun, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I am Carlos. All right, Carlos. Thanks Carlos a lot. from Phoenix. Yeah, Yay. stay cool. Literally. That sounds hot. Yeah, I...
I've been there many times. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, today I'm like, we live on Tatooine here, but I can only imagine being I, there in the I, desert. I left Seattle this morning, and it was in like the high 60s, low 70s. Oh, it sounds like nice. Nice little cloud cover, a few little sprinkles coming down. It's like I'm going <laughs> home to blistering heat. Oh, I know. Ugh. Blistering heat is a good description. <laughs> Uh, I did see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I had a great time. In fact, I was on Adam Sexton's podcast, Past in the Pending, on Monday. We recorded three hours of nothing but movie talk. We talked a long time about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we even get to the part where we just flat out just talked all spoilers, everything about it you would want. But we warn you to... uh, turn it off if you're not ready and then we talked about some other things uh and uh i've been waiting for adam to put the podcast out i'm like hey adam what's the deal man and i was afraid like you know i gave him you know we recorded for so long he's pod fading now and it's just like i can't (laughs) is he editing this pod this podcast is against podcasting rules you can't put out a three-hour podcast it's got to be 30 minutes Uh quick concise to the point, or people lose interest. Yes, or people lose interest. So I guess he's breaking it up into several thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, what will they say about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes, Jerry Seinfeld. Apparently, so I'll be. I'm seeing it Sunday afternoon. <laughs> okay, great. Me and Melissa and her son. Any interest in Hobbs and Shaw, Stephen? I'd see it. Yeah, I've seen every other Fast yeah, and Furious. I, it's like. I want to see it. Like, I'd love to see it with you, like, tomorrow night or something. I haven't brought myself to look on Cinemark or anything to even look it up or whatever. Yeah. But um, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I'll see it. And you, what the funny thing about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, last week I talked about, I don't even know if I want to see it. I'm glad I saw it. I saw it by myself. And here's the funny thing. When I looked on Cinemark to buy my ticket, there was, like, all the seats were taken except there was like one on the next row down and I was like, oh, I'll get that. Oh, it's gonna I'm gonna be surrounded by people, whatever. So I bought that ticket and I go there. The two seats next to me, the people never showed up. And nice. so I had empty seats next to me. How cool is that? Nice. And I had some older people to my right and they didn't say a word <sighs> through the whole movie. They were courteous. You yeah, mean, they were very you, courteous. They didn't bring a seven course meal in and eat and- Yeah. And we'll talk more about get on uh, their phones and yeah, exactly. That's every major Hobbs and Shaw. I guarantee you, there will be assholes to yes. the left of us, to the right of us, <laughs> in front of us. There will be kids running up and down the aisles. There will be people on their friggin' cell phones. Mayhem, and dogs living in sin. Yeah, there are people Instagramming. Hey, I'm at the movies. You know, it's shit like that. There'll be a little kid like. Hobson Shaw, yeah, I love rock. <laughs> She's like, damn it, kid, Jesus. I'm going to take a selfie and send it to mommy. It just invites you to uh, be noisy and loud and annoying. Like, It's just like, uh, it's an invitation, these huge, that's why we need to see indie art house movies, Steve. <laughs> Play some classical music as we arrive. <laughs> Your hors d'oeuvres, sir. The guy on a tray hands you some hors d'oeuvres. Hot towel. But they always have those little skinny chairs that barely fit my fat ass. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not comfortable in art house chairs. Now we have another voicemail, Stephen. It's Adam Sexton. 
Let's up? see if he can explain himself. All right, uh, Adam, explain what, yourself. What happened to his special podcast with special guest star, the J Strub? Has he pod faded? What's going on? Let's he, get. He forgot to hit record. <laughs> I'm teasing Adam. That's another thing. <laughs> Here's what's funny is I said, I'll record it all and just uh, send you the file. He's like, cool. So I, I recorded it and I sent him the file. It's like, dude, what's the deal? I know it turned out okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm giving Adam a hard time. All right, let's check this out. Hello, Entertainment Landfill crew. This is Adam Sexton sending you a voicemail. I'm glad to see that you guys will be recording tonight. And I will try to get on the live feed and listen in, as I uh, usually can. But anyway, on with the voicemail. I don't have... This will probably be a little brief for reasons uh, I'll explain. Uh, I haven't really watched a whole lot. And the biggest thing that's happened this week was that I was fortunate enough to record an episode for my podcast, The Past and the Pending, with uh, the J-Strum. And it was great... It was this wonderful three-hour chat, uh, and uh, Jason was uh, gracious enough to record the episode in his end so I could download it uh, from an email, and uh, I have been trying to find time this week to edit it, but it's been a very busy week. I've come home with absolutely no energy, or very little energy, and I just wanted to edit that podcast when I've been rested and I have a whole lot of time, so... Uh, I will get the episode finished tomorrow. We'll probably release it around noon on Saturday, and that way uh, everyone can finally listen to it. And it's been a conversation <laughs> long uh, and waiting and worth the wait. Uh, we cover a whole lot of variety of topics. There's also a lot of uh, podcasting talk and some good anecdotes about uh, No Warren Mulberry and the transition into uh, entertainment landfill. So those of you who are fans of this podcast, I uh, urge you to uh, give this uh, episode a listen when you can. Uh, but speaking of uh, otherwise of that, uh, like I said, I haven't seen a whole lot since watching uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in Prospect last weekend. I do plan to go see uh uh, once upon a time in Hollywood again this weekend. Wow, nice. The but as far as any other plans, uh, seeing recently the teaser trailer for Top Gun Maverick has inspired me to go rent a copy of the first film. And uh, and I don't know if uh, you guys talked about that trailer recently. No, uh, and I would be interested to see what you thought about it. But um, it looks fantastic. Uh, Joseph Kaczynski is directing, and yeah. the trailer looks great. But I am interested in how they are going to dramatically make aerial dogfighting a thing these days. I mean, it, it was kind of a shaky kind of premise when you're when the first movie came out, which was like 1986, uh, we did, we weren't, we were in basically in peacetime. Like the only big conflict of the eighties was possibly like this short little thing in Grenada, but we wouldn't go to war until go until the 1991 Gulf war. And that wasn't really about aerial dogfighting as well. So I'm wondering how they're going to pull it off narratively for a movie that's that's taking place like 30-something years after the fact. But anyway, I'm going to revisit that movie. And uh, as far as gaming, there's been plenty of it. Uh, I have a group of fan, uh, friends on Xbox Live 
that I still meet up with and we play Gears of War Horde mode and uh, we still do some Red Dead 2 online matches and that's always been great. Uh, we're all, my friends and I are eagerly anticipating the arrival of Gears 5 which will come out the second week of September. Other than that, uh, some classic oh, wow. gaming anecdotes. Uh, I downloaded for my 2DS uh, Super Mario Brothers and the Japanese version of Super Mario Brothers 2, which came to the U.S. as The Lost Levels. And uh, I haven't played that game in years. I'm pretty rusty at it, and there was one part that was really frustrating me. I was wanting to pull off the famous multiple... Uh, unlimited one-up trick in world 3-1 where you go to the end you see two turtles coming down that little row of steps before you get to the flag you ignore the first one you wait until the second one gets close to you and then you jump up to kind of hit him and make him hit the side of the wall and, and then he'll come back and hit you and you do it repeatedly you earn points and then it turns into one-ups and you can basically spawn one-ups until the uh timer runs out and i kept failing at this i must have uh I must have done it like 15, 20 times, uh, just kept lo losing all my lives, starting over again. And, and I did this until I realized that for virtual console releases, especially for Nintendo games, uh, they you can create a save point because the original Super Mario Brothers doesn't have any save states. So once I did that, I was able to not have to work my way all the way up through uh, World 3-1 just to get to that point. So I could uh, start that save point and keep on doing it until I worked it out. So now I actually believe I have a chance of actually completing a game that I used to be able to breeze through uh, when I was a child. But anyway, uh, that's my big gaming anecdote for that. Uh, Gamefly is sending me Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, I don't know how much time I'm going to spend with this one. I seriously doubt I'm going to do any online stuff because I'll get demolished. But I'll just play it for the uh, story modes and any other modes. It doesn't require me to have to play with someone who actually knows what they're doing. So other than that, uh, this weekend, I'm hope hopefully we'll try to see if I can get together with Adam Howard and record another guest episode for the past and the pending, depending on his availability. But we there were some topics that we wanted to uh, discuss on the la in our previous guest episode that we couldn't get to. So hopefully that will turn out. And other than that, guys, I'm looking forward to the show. I'm looking forward to uh, joining in on the book clubs uh, for the Witcher novels. And uh, other than that, guys, good luck on your episode tonight. Uh, and uh, hopefully everyone has a good, safe weekend. I hope everyone's feeling all right. And uh, I will check you later. Bye. Thanks a lot, Adam. And I did enjoy recording with you. It was a lot of fun. I had three Ozarka bottles of water on the desk just because, you know, I didn't want to get parched or whatever. All three empty by the time the, <laughs> we're done recording. I was like, I've got to pee so bad. <laughs> but Adam, speaking of Adam Howard, today is Adam's birthday. Did you know that, Steven? I didn't know that. I just wanted to wish uh, Adam a happy birthday. No, we're going to do it our way. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> uh, good old Adam Howard. Uh, Adam, I hope you're having a lovely Time happy in birthday. The Bay Area. In the, from the Bay Area. Happy birthday to you. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. We can't stop there, Stephen. Don't we need to do whoopee birthday also? Of course. Happy birthday to you. So funny. And come on, one more. How about Mr. Miyagi was going to wish Adam a happy birthday? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Daniel Shan. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday! Yay. Happy birthday! It's really a special day. Awesome. So have a happy birthday, Adam Howard. (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, also, you know, I know, uh, Adam, you like rapping and stuff. So here's a special rap for you for your birthday. (laughs) What do you think? I know Adam's saying when he hears that. Yeah, he's like, what? All right, so Stephen, I want to talk about a few movies. Thank you guys, Carlos and Adam. Let's get into some entertainment. Did you recognize that sorry clip from uh, the intro? It was from Tacoma. The Broken Lizard guys have a yeah. TV show where the fire. Did yep. you recognize yes, that scene? I did that one. I was. Uh, it's my fault. It's my fault. Sorry. I'm sorry. I love that. Sorry. I'm really sorry. I never meant to hurt you. I swear. I'm so sorry. Straight up. I'm sorry. Don't you blame yourself. I did it. I'm sorry. Holy shit, man. I, I am so sorry. How could I? I'm so sorry. It's my fault. I didn't even think about you. My fault. I'm so sorry. My fault. I'm sorry. I love that. Holy shit, man. I, I am so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. Now, Steve and I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a Quentin Tarantino film starring Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. It also has Margot Robbie in it. And uh, I thought it, it's a very funny movie. It, like Carlos was saying, it's very loose plot. It's like the day in the life of this actor. He was a TV actor. And he's still doing work. He's basically, uh, he'll guest stint on TV shows there. And he usually plays the villain. And he's realizing that maybe his career is coming to an end because he's not getting the starring roles anymore. And Brad Pitt plays his stunt double who now, because he's older and he doesn't do as many stunts, he's kind of his errand boy gopher, you know, but they're best friends and they hang out. And a lot of the movie is them kind of chilling and talking about stuff. And it's very amusing. There's all, you know, Quentin Tarantino dialogue can, is always funny. So there's a lot of great, you know, sequences and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, if you like that from Quentin Tarantino, my main thing is like, there's the Manson angle, the Sharon Tate, Charles Manson stuff. And I was dreading that as it was getting closer to that in the film. Yes. And I was like, where is this going? Like, I don't, I was like, Oh, I'm not ready for this. And it's so such kind of a, 
the way that Quentin Tarantino brings all together is quite it's brilliant, I think. And I was pleasantly surprised. And I went home, driving home, just laughing, thinking about scenes from the movie. And it's really a great time at the the movies. And uh, I've read, you know, some complaints here and there, uh, mainly about the Bruce Lee scene. I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but there's a part with it. Bruce Lee yeah. where Brad Pitt's character fights him. And he doesn't, it's more of like a sparring, kind of like on the set kind of a thing. And a lot of people are like, Bruce Lee would kick his ass. It's just like, okay, calm down, okay? It's not the real Bruce Lee, okay? It's a portrayal of Bruce Lee in that time. And it's on a movie set. They're obviously not going to fight to the death. But, uh, I, you know, their their feelings are valid, Stephen. But I didn't see it that way. I think a lot of the film is kind of demystifying Hollywood in a lot of ways. And maybe demystifying Bruce Lee a bit. Maybe like we like to think of him as this incredible martial arts badass, right? right. But he's a human being, uh, and uh, everyone is flawed, etc. So I don't know where to take that, but I enjoyed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, another thing is, you know, maybe we'll see Hobbs and Shaw tomorrow, Stephen. Possibly. Maybe, possibly. I might bring my earbuds so I don't have to hear people around me, but I won't be able to hear the movie. Oh. Damn, that doesn't work. Get a set of blinders on, like those horse blinders. <laughs> just uh, goggles, like I'm watching it. The old 3D the, the goggles. Old people goggles, you know, where they, <laughs> yeah. they drive home from the, the the doctors, the eye doctor, you know. Yeah. It's got the little shields on the You know side. what's funny is uh, I just thought of this, like at the dentist, they give you like, hey, would you like the sunglasses for where we're cleaning your teeth so the bright light? Uh, I usually go, no, I'm good. But I used to say yes, and I'd wear them. And I would always like take them with me, and I'd like wear them in the car. And Heather would go, those aren't sunglasses. <laughs> it even says, these are not to replace sunglasses. And I'm like, they're so cool, man. I would like sneak don't, out with them. Don't look at the sun with these. I, for one time, I'm, I had a pair for like six weeks. And one day I was like, where's my sunglasses? She goes, I threw them away. <laughs> I was like, why? She goes, they're not sunglasses. <laughs> I was like, damn it. My my special dentist sunglasses. How dare you? I have to get, I only get two of those a year. But I think the main thing is that they look stupid. Like I'm wearing them. They look incredibly stupid. And that's why she threw them away. Because I look like a jackass wearing them. Uh, now, uh, in entertainment, I want to just talk about this. I've watched the first four episodes of The Boys on Amazon. Have you watched no. any of that? No, no. Uh, I've asked you this before, but I can't qu- quite remember the answer. Uh, Preacher on AMC. Are you a fan of that show? Yes, I do watch Preacher. Okay, this show is produced by the same people. It's Seth Rogen Seth and Evan... Uh, Evan... Gold... Goldman? No, Evan... Yeah, it's his his producing partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, Goldberg, Evan Goldberg. Goldberg. Yeah. Uh, and they produce Preacher. My problem with Preacher is I watched the first couple of episodes, and then I kind of lost interest, and I would sit at the computer. Heather would be watching it. My main problem with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, it's based on a Garth Ennis property, the same as The Boys is. Everything has to be so outrageous and gross out am i right it's got to be pissed there's got to be shit there's got to be vomit there's got to be guts things got to explode you get covered in guts etc there's stuff like that and there's got to be a goddamn song in almost every scene am i right the boys is just like this there's like oh q jane's addiction here we go 
and I'm just like, uh, and Heather could hear me groaning and she goes, what? And I'm like, nothing. Let's just keep watching or whatever. And it's like the same shit as preacher. And like, I'm <laughs> there's like a superhero sex club, which is fine. You know, I'm an, I'm an adult man. I can understand nudie or whatever, whatever. but Hey, how about an Ant-Man type guy dive into a woman's private area? Isn't that funny and outrageous, Steven? <laughs> uh, just stuff like that. Uh, there's got to be a scene where, uh, hey, we can't electric, we can't uh, harm this guy. He's in- indestructible. Let's stick an electric wire up his ass. Hey, that's outrageous, isn't it? That's the way I feel watching this. Now, that said, I do enjoy the storyline somewhat. I enjoy Carl Urban. He's always good. Jack Quaid is in it, and I'm like, that guy, He lo- th- is that guy related to Dennis Quaid? He looks just like him. So I look at IMDb, it's Meg Ryan in uh, Dennis Quaid's uh, son, and he looks, it's like weird. You're looking at a guy, and you're like, oh, the, you know, this actor, he looks kind of familiar, and then he turns his head a certain way, and you're like, holy shit, he looks just like Dennis Quaid. Or you see, sometimes he smiles, he's like, I can see his mom, Meg Ryan in there, you know, and he's a good actor and he's in the film. And basically what it is is superheroes are like godlike beings. They're, they're everywhere in the media, on social media, they're in movies. Everybody's superhero crazy. And the superheroes are a lot of them. There's a lot of them and they're assholes. And there's like a company run by, uh, Elizabeth shoe. And she kind of like is in charge of all of them. And, uh, they even create crimes for them to show up and save the day so they can put it on Instagram or whatever. And uh, Carl Urban, he knows they're all bullshit and he wants to bring the superheroes down, only they're indestructible, a lot of them. There's even the, the main guy, Anthony Starr, who was in the show Banshee. He's like the Superman-type character. And he's a tremendous prick. But in public, he's like, hello, citizens, like that. But behind scenes, he's an asshole. He doesn't care about anybody. And so, uh, I'm very intrigued by this. Uh, I I enjoy the storyline, but at the same time, it's so outrageous all the time. At least once or twice every episode, I'm like, oh, did we need to see that? You know? I'd already heard the Ant-Man type thing. Somebody else had told me about that one. Yeah, and if somebody's going to explode Steven, they can't just splatter on the walls. It's got to go all over the character in the scene, too. Like, have intestines hanging off his head, and it's like, that's so outrageous. Here's, I just want them to dial it back a little. Like, we get it. You're crazy, insane. Garth Ennis, he's really pushing the envelope. But it's like, I feel like this. Stop trying so hard. Stop trying so goddamn hard. That's the way I feel when I'm watching it. So when I groan when Jane's addiction, when they're, hey, we got to, oh, God, there's a bomb. Let's get out of here. Let's cue up the Jane's addiction. Cue it up. You know, here we go. And they're running like, get out of the way, get out of the way. And I'm just like, just, everybody calm the F down, please. Do we have to have a goddamn song in every scene? That's the way I feel. Um, there's another show that you should be watching instead of the boys. If you're like, Oh, this sounds a little outrageous, Jason, with this guts and this, the sex stuff. And the, <laughs> I want to try a different show that has people with supernatural abilities or whatever. There's a show on stars called the Rook. It's this clandestine, oh, uh, about Michael Rooker. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Michael Rooker's not in <laughs> no. it. Although that would be great if he showed up. <laughs> 
uh, it has it's a bunch of British people and Olivia Munn. She's like a uh, an American operative. People have paranormal abilities there, but as soon as someone manifests some kind of power, the government recruits you. They train you as an agent or whatever. But there's also this kind of uh, slave trade thing going on where uh, when people find out about you, countries will kidnap you. Your family will never see you again. And they use you for their own purposes. So it's also very dangerous to have abilities if someone targets you. And the show is uh, very cool, very interesting, very mysterious, very subdued. Uh, it's got interesting characters. There's one gestalt. It's like four twins, quintuplet, cor, cor, what, what do you call four? Quintuplets? That's five, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah. Quadtuplets? <laughs> four twins. There's three boys, one girl. But they're a hive mind. It's four people, but they all share the same mind. Isn't that interesting? So yeah, they're, now you got me figuring this. <laughs> quadruplets. 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 Jesus oh, I was Christ. I was stuck on the toplets thing. So it was quad toplets, quad tuplets. So uh, yeah, quadruplets. Damn. I had my mind racing there. I was like, <laughs> so uh, up with a Do you have people with abilities? And there's espionage and stuff. There's no Jane's addiction. There's no like. <laughs> You know, but there should be. There's like a stretch guy. Uh, no, wait, that's in uh, <laughs> that's in the boys. I was just saying, in the sex scene, there's a guy like Mister Fantastic who can stretch. And yeah. hey, we gotta have a dick joke here, right, Steven? You know, he can stretch. Uh, but if you want to see penis, it's in the boys. So go ahead and watch. <laughs> uh, so anyway, in this show, the Rook, it's for. Us that have more caviar taste is what I'm trying to say. No penis. Not yet. I'm still waiting. But it's very cool, and there's a mystery, and you'll you'll find out. So not so far. You'll find out some revelations sometimes at the end of episodes. You're like, ooh, and you got to wait a week for it to come on again. So if you have stars, check out the Rook. I'm telling you, it's a good show. Heather watched like the first two episodes without me she goes that's a pretty good show you should watch it i'm like well, why didn't you wait to watch it with me or whatever but After okay watch the first episode wait catch up watch the first one then watch the rest of them together is what she said yeah, yeah but we uh watched it we've i'm all caught up and we watch it together also have, uh you Eufo- speaking of uh penis uh <laughs> euphoria on hbo have you watched that show no uh it's shocking portrayal of teen America and drug use and sex and all that. And uh, Heather and I watched that show. The first couple of episodes are kind of like it's shock and awe. Mm-hmm. I think they even advertise like the second episode has 37 penises. In it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about it. <laughs> but it's a good show. I actually, uh, it, it started out as, oh, like, oh, come on. Who produces Seth Roken and, and Evan Goldberg? <laughs> <laughs> but it's turned into a tasteful thing. And I could say that I've teared up in several scenes. If you want to see penis, it's on the boys, the J-Strom. Thanks, Adam. Adam Sexton in the chat room. Uh, now, another show that I think everyone should check out on Hulu, Four Weddings and a Funeral, based on the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's new characters. And uh, Mindy Kaling, she is one of the writers. And it's delightful, Stephen. I've watched the first three episodes without Heather. 
haven't waited for her on that to get her back for the rook. <laughs> and I think it's delightful. I really like great British humor with a lot of F-bombs. Uh, no superhero sex clubs in that. No. Oh, that's another thing. In uh, The Boys, there's an invisible man. But he can't wear clothes, so he has to, whenever he appears, you get to see his unit. <laughs> it's outrageous. Isn't it? He can just, the invisible man come, becomes, I thought he was just always invisible. Yeah, he, he is, like, when he's sneaking around, like, he hides in the women's bathroom. And they're like, we know you're in here. And he's like, appears, and there he is, fully naked. I'm like, uh, isn't he, like, a sexual predator, and he should be locked up? At that point. And then uh, there's another character named The Deep. He's like an Aquaman type character. And everyone tells him to go F a whale or F a blowhole on a dolphin or whatever. And he's uh, very upset about the way that dolphins are being treated in a SeaWorld type place. So there's a scene where he breaks the dolphin out. And the dolphin, all he wants him to do is touch him. Like, please, touch my penis, touch my... He's like, no, I can't do that right now. He's like driving the truck. And that's all the dolphin, please, please. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. And he has to mash on the brakes as a semi drives by. He's like, dolphin flies out of the windshield, like in slow-mo, to a song. Cue up a song. I don't remember what it is. It's like Huey Lewis or something in slow-mo. Flies in in the middle of the street. And it's like... And it destroys the the I dolphin. You were say like the as the slow mo by the deep, you see it like a He's, dolphin penis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I might have to rewind it to see if it's there. Uh, <laughs> it could it could have been Stephen, but a semi comes by and like, crushes and destroys the dolphin, kills it. Guts go everywhere. And it's supposed to be funny, I think. Heather was like, you know, she loves dolphins. She's like, it's like traumatized. traumatized. And I'm like, did we need to see that TV show? And of course we did because Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, they want to be outrageous, you know? Well, I guess because preachers come to an end, they needed something new. Yeah. And I, the, sh- the, the boys looks fantastic. It looks like a movie. It looks like they spent a hundred million dollars on this. It looks like they spent so much. And I'll talk more about uh, the boys later. I have a news story about it. But Stephen, let's talk about some TV shows, okay? Remember last week when we talked about um, Bobcat Goldthwait? <laughs> Remember Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah, I was on the driving with comedians. Yeah, in a car with comedians. Jerry Seinfeld started talking about somebody. He's like, I hate him. I don't like him. He's not funny. He doesn't have any talent. And then we read later on that someone said, it's Bobcat Goldthwait he's talking about. He was once on our studio talking shit about him. I went and looked for it on YouTube and I found it. And I have a clip of it. What's interesting about this is it's like the last week or something that Arsenio was on the air. He was going off the air. He was quitting the show. And so Bobcat Goldthwait is acting insane on the show. And he goes, I, I want to wreck your set. And he's like smashing things. And Arsenio keeps running and tackling him like, stop, stop it. And he writes Paramount sucks on the wall, spray paints it. And he's like knocking the paint can at him. He's grabbing him, holding him by the arms and stuff. So he's acting crazy. And uh, he flips the couch over. So he's like, no, no, come on, come on. We got to have an interview. Can we please talk or whatever? And then he starts... Tar- then he basically says, hey, how about I talk about Jerry Seinfeld? And this is really poor quality, so listen closely, okay? 
I'm going to do all the material I can never get to oh, do. Oh, God. Let's take I might as well do a little Seinfeld bashing while I'm at it. No, 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 no. He's very popular. You don't want to do uh, that. He's the devil. No. He's a spooky, weird Scientologist guy banging teenage girls. So anyway, that was like crazy clip. I was like, what the hell is going on on this show? But uh, he was talking shit about Jerry there. He called him a Scientology and banging teenage girls. So I could see how Jerry would be annoyed about that. But it is true. I remember Howard Stern used to make fun of Jerry way back in the day. Young women. He had he had like a nineteen year old girlfriend, I think, or something. Yeah, Shoshana. Remember that was like a big deal in the headlines and. Howard was like, everyone acts like it's real, like it's a normal relationship. This guy is like in his 30s. This is weird. Why doesn't anyone admit this? And Jerry uh, wouldn't come on Howard's well, show because come, of that. Come, nobody ever said anything about Hefner in his 70s with a 20-year-old. Yeah. 30 and 19 is, you know, it's still odd, but I mean. Geez. So Bobcat obviously had a problem with Jerry, and Jerry ever since then has hated him, I guess. He's like, why is he talking shit about me? All right, another show I want to talk about, Stephen. Second week in a row, Gordon Ramsay, Uncharted. I, I watched it. Any. He was in New Zealand this time. Okay. And apparently every... Con- did, did Hannah and Michael cook for him? <laughs> I wish they did. First of all, New Zealand, gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. And there was Maori cuisine. And uh, this uh, Maori chef says that there's this rare grub. That taste delicious. Grub worms, Stephen. Again with the worms. You got to find dead wood on the ground that's fallen out of a tree. Break it open. You can find the worms. And she's showing Gordon and she's telling him how delicious they are. Just let's check out this clip. Can I go and lie down, please? We've got some sides to do. Oh, oh my Chef. Lord. You are relentless. Chef, come on. And surprise, surprise. Monique's side dishes are hidden in an unusual place. Where are we going? We're just going for a little walk in the forest. Something tells me she isn't making coleslaw and fries. We need to find some hoo-hoos. Some what? Some hoo-hoo grubs. Some hoo-hoo grubs? Yes. They live in fallen wood, rotten wood. Here we go. And they'll be in here? They'll be right in the middle. It's a big market for it in this country. It's Seriously. almost as expensive as caviar. And is it considered as a, that much of a delicacy? It's that much of a delicacy. Girl, you've lost it. <laughs> I'm telling you. Too much time in the bush. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just keep cracking some of these open. Ah. Oh, there we go. There we go. Native to New Zealand, hoo-hoo grubs are the larvae of the longhorn beetle. Oh, yeah. That's a great A, I reckon. You grade your grubs? We grade the grubs. Stop it. Yep. And I'll happily pay 180 to 190 for one of these. Really? Yep. Oh, that's a nice fat guy. Monique. Monique. Don't they look delicious, Gordon? They do not look oh, delicious. Yes. So they taste of? They taste of peanut. 
I know that does not look like a jar of peanut butter. We don't eat it raw like that. Yeah, like that's its face. So it's a little, little spikes. Yeah. So those might bite you on the way down. So you don't want to start there. You want to pinch its face and eat its tail. Right there, I'm out. So pinch this end and bite there. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll go first. Please. Okay. It's final feast day in New Zealand, and the menu has taken an unexpected turn. Great. Mmm. Is it wiggling around? Is it wiggling around? Mm, this is really good. Really creamy. <laughs> My team. <laughs> they are disgusting. It's so good. Peanut butter. Your yeah. peanut butter must be different to my peanut butter I grew up with. No, mm. that is not for me. No. I'll show you. I'll show you how they can be used. Yeah, the only thing that's nutty mm. would be the person eating them. You want to try the hoo-hoos? My eye. So she fries Go for it. it. See, now, the taste of peanut. Exactly. See? How can it be so delicious coming from that disgusting, rubbery bug? Exactly. So I'm thinking everywhere he goes this season on the show, they're going to go, actually, we have a delicacy. Worms, grubs, you know, it's some kind of insect everywhere he goes. And he's going to go, I'm going to eat it raw. And then he's like, oh. another thing they have is eel. Like uh, he goes with this guy in the river and he goes, uh, hey, you just hop down in there. And, you know, I'm just, that's the voice I'm doing, but he didn't sound like that. He was a New Zealander. And he goes, like, what do I do? And he goes, reach down. There's one right there. And he goes, that's a branch off a tree. And he goes, no, it's not. So he starts to pick it up. And he's like, oh, it's an eel. He goes, yeah, yeah, it's an eel. He goes, just flip it out of there. Flip it out of the water. So Gordon, like, reaches under and he flips it out. And the thing's like, he goes, isn't it cute? And he picks it up and he starts petting it. And he goes, look at that face. And Gordon's like, he is quite, he looks like a puppy and he goes up and Gordon kisses him on the head. And the guy goes, why did you kiss it? And he goes, cause he's adorable. And he's like, well, I already caught one earlier. So let's throw him back in. So they throw him back in and he shows him how he cooks eel and he's like, it's delicious. Uh, so it's interesting. <laughs> Jessica said, try the hoo hoo, <laughs> like hoo hoo grubs. All right, Steven. Below Deck Mediterranean, one of my favorite reality show, as I've said. And uh, your crew is only as good as your weakest link, I guess. Is that uh, what it is? They've got two guys on the... One guy's from Liverpool. His name is Jack. And he's the laziest person I've ever seen. <laughs> like, they always like, where's Jack? And he's always out kind of chilling, having a cigarette, or he's drinking a beer. And there's another guy, Travis... I think he might be from New Zealand, actually. Uh, and they uh, pal around together. So there's a part where the captain has to sit the main people down and talk about who's coming to the boat. Like, here's our next charter. And it's a baseball player, Johnny Damon. While she's trying to talk, all she can hear is Jack and Travis giggling in their little uh, bunk they they're watching something on YouTube or something and they've both got beers and they're just giggling, laughing their asses off. And it's really annoying her, but she's not saying anything, but then an alarm starts coming on and I forget what it is the black, some black water or something, some kind of black alarm, meaning the toilet system, something's wrong and it's going beep, 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 beep. And she's like, why isn't anyone 
responding responding to this so she decides to go in there and she opens the door and she like knocks and then he's like yep come on in and he's sitting there with the bear and she's like do you guys not hear the alarm and they're like no and she gets so mad at them but what i love about it is they basically get yelled at reprimanded like get out here get go find somebody to do something about this alarm and they're like it's not our fault you know they're just kind of moping around after that and uh even one of them is supposed to go on a date later with one of the girls hannah and she's like we're going on a date later why are you getting drunk like during the day and he's like i'm not i've just had like three beers i'm not drunk or anything and it's like a total turn off to go on a, a date with a drunk guy so uh anywhere here's uh the exploits of these guys i just find it entertaining <sighs> Blackwater system. Mike, Mike, it says sensor fault. Blackwater system. So we know Blackwater is bad. Stop it. Mike, Mike, Hannah. Hold on, what I got. Travis or Jack? All our water from the toilets going to the Blackwater tank. That means no toilets. That means no water. That means there's sh** involved. Yep. Do you guys hear that alarm going off? No. Can you stop drinking beer now? Yeah. Okay. Can you go find the engineer, find out why the f***ing alarm is going on? Enough. Jesus Christ. <laughs> now I'm pissed. That's the captain. You know she's bad. She's saying this. Is engineer even on here? Yeah. I'll have a look in the control room. You have a look in his room. I'm done. We're going to go find out what the problem is. If the engineer can't fix this, we cancel our charter. This is bullshit. And two drunk crew members on the day before the charter, not cool. This isn't our job at all. Where's the engineer? It's not against the rules to have a few drinks after charter. What is against the rules is not responding to alarms in any case of an emergency. This is the lowest level of respect you could have shown me and you could have shown Sandy. Where's the engineer? I kind of get where Captain Sandy's coming from. Oh, yeah. I know fully. The sh trickles down. And it's just bullshit. Oh my god, what the f? It's not my job to check f***ing alarms. Sandy? Our bathroom's flooded. Yeah. yeah. Happy days. Mike, we've got a black water system on our. This is a whole new one for me, man. Here is Travis. Have you been standing here the whole time? No, I'm helping. Today's not the day not to hustle. You get it? No, I Because I swear to god, you will be off this boat so fast. So when I see you, you better be f***ing moving. Um, Start with the wet back. He just wants me to, um... You're going to get the bathroom cleaned out. Not great. Jesus. Not great at all. Oh, do you know what I've just smelled? It's not sh- It's just water. I know, it's only water. The Blackwater issue was related to a pump failure. We repaired the pump. We got the toilets working. Mike, Mike, the shower has drained. Copy that. Shower's drained. Thank you. Okay, so it's working. We have no connection to these problems. Sit in the shade, though. We didn't deserve to get chosen at then. You can have a beer after work. It's not a prison camp. You <laughs> can drink beer before the date. That was a bit of a stupid move on my part. a bit of a stupid move, dude. <laughs> oh, she's playing hard to get. She's pressing the captain off, guys. Oh, off. Was it because we got beer in front of her? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was like five o'clock, so I was Matt. like... You're right. There's no set rules on it yet, so from now, no beers before five. Case closed. I've already figured out with these guys that I can't come out guns blazing. I have to be diplomatic about it so we're all able to come to an agreement. Well, like no beer after five or something. 
No beer before five. Yeah, before five, that's all right. <laughs> no beer after five, we can drink no all day. Yeah, get pissed up all day, won't want a beer after five, I'll be no, no beer before five. <laughs> I love how the whole time they're just like, it's not our job to deal with alarms. <laughs> they don't like getting yelled at. It's not a prison we're in. We can't have beer. <laughs> love those guys. Now, Stephen, finally, I want to talk about Blown Away, the glass-blowing competition show on Netflix. I finished the season as you did last time, correct? Yes. And uh, I got to say... Remember, like, last week, I'd watched the first four episodes, and I said Deborah was kind of scary. But I started res- to respect her quite a bit. Yes, she's very intense. She's intense. Especially when they're blowing glass, and she's kind of yelling at the assistants because you need it to be exactly right. But she is very passionate about what she's doing. Do you agree with that? Yes. Well, uh, was it Janusz? Janusz? The other guy, Yanish, yes. he's a very technically uh, skilled glass blower. He's very good at what he does. And I really like the hairbrush thing he did. I thought that was cool. Did you like that? Remember the hairbrush? Yes. It was like curved yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, I really liked her thing. Oh, I re- this is what I have a clip of. It's her potato. They're supposed to do something that has to do with botany, a plant life, uh, flowers, etc., out of glass. And she decides to do a potato that's sprouting the little, uh, what do you call those on the, 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 the eyes, the eyes, yes. the eyes. And she kind of talks about it here. It's, uh, this kind of gives you an idea where Deborah's coming from. How's it going? We've been doing a lot of color tests to try to get the colors right on this thing. It's a potato that sprouts in your refrigerator. So the potato is going to be oversized just this size i feel like this is a little bit of an in-between size it's not life size but it's not like really oversized and she's like well you're kind of in between on sizes red lights start flashing i don't want it to just seem like a big pop art thing like the other challenge right right right. more realistic in scale but not so it fades away in the gallery yeah I don't have answers for you. I know. I know. All right. <laughs> I can't comment. Yeah. All right. All right. Looking forward to it. Good luck. But This is not a piece of pop art. I got to take a definitive stand on what I'm making. Conceptually. I got to make this thing life-size. First thing is the basic shape. Hello? Stop. And then I'm going to crizzle the surface by dunking in in water, which is one of my favorite things to do to glass. It's so dramatic. And you think... Can I really do this and have it survive? It gives the effect I want. And I could make it look older and more shriveled quite easily by dunking it even more times, heating and dunking and heating and dunking. I love doing that process. Oh, Oh, potato down. My potato hit the floor and broke. Potato down. Not a good feeling. I do get anxiety watching this. This is Deborah's Forgotten Potatoes. I love the humor. There's a lot of charm. I am always amazed by where creative minds go. I would not have gone to potatoes. (laughs) One thing that the brief discussed was capturing the essence of nature. Mm -hmm. Do you think she's done that? I think so. I'm not confused that these are not potatoes. The, The diversity of color and texture, that detail is impressive. I think she was definitely worried that this might look 
pedestrian, but she still went with it. I give her props for that. This yeah. is not pedestrian. Right. <laughs> this morning, we asked you to create botanical-themed glass art. It was really incredible and surprising to see how you all approached this challenge so differently and really invested a lot of yourself in each of your interpretations. And Deborah, if you could tell us about your potatoes. My piece glamorizes everything that a flower is not. A flower is a classic beauty. It has everything going for it. it color, beautiful scent, great proportions. It epitomizes life. But the potato is a powerhouse. To me, it represents otherness and those that have been marginalized. And I personally resonate with that theme a lot for myself and for my own work. So for its atypical beauty, and its metaphorical power, I chose the sprouted potato. I wouldn't have thought about going potato and sprout. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I have to say, the way you speak about your art is inspiring. Thank you. In a million years, I've never thought of a potato. She just keeps coming up with this wonderful work. I got to say, when she was describing her potato, I actually, I got a little emotional there because I... I felt her passion describing it, how she represented the potato and how she feels. And, uh, I got it. I finally got her at that moment, uh, how, uh, personal her things were. And, you know, she did the kind of silly thing, the movement with a foot, uh, stepping in, uh, gum, where's way too much gum, but it, it was very well done. And what's funny is they did the but like earlier her stuff. There was some stuff that where I thought she was like on the verge of being cut. You know, mm -hmm. it's like yeah, no. I think she got her stuff together, and you you kind of see that a lot of it. She was talking about she was rooting for Momo, the other girl. Yeah. Because she goes, oh, it's the last woman. I hope that she sticks around. But she gets eliminated. And she's like, I'm the last woman. And she talks about it's a male dominated field, blast glowing. Uh, blast glowing, glass, glass blowing. blowing, and the host lady. She even says she understands because she's a glass blower, and it's the tools are for men even, and they have to request and have made special tools for women to hold. Smaller hands, uh, yeah. yeah, smaller hands and stuff. So I, when it came down to Yanush and Deborah at the end, she was talking about she wants to do this for women and show that the women can glass blow too. And I noticed that it was two men and one woman judges. And I was like, Oh, I see how this is going. They're going to go for the guy, you know, uh, Yanush. And while I do think Yanush technically, I don't even know if I'm saying his name, right? Yeah, uh, right. Technically their final things or they wanted them to, you blow us away with a, what do you call you get, it? You get half a gallery and you got to, do whatever but what do you call it an art installation, installation yeah. yeah and he did kind of like something representing weather and like uh, the imbalance of our weather now and the na uh, no nature just the, yeah nature and yeah and, uh, and i thought every ecosystem his stuff was very well refined and made everything very perfect hers kind of represented uh it was meat, sausages, and uh, she made the giant glass frying pan with a hole in it with sausage links and side of beef and all this stuff. See, and all that that type of stuff turns me off. Uh -huh. when, I, when I go to a is it because it's cartoon? Is it too representative of it's too on the nose? You maybe yeah, like too like okay, we get it. 
It's like, a, it, you're trying to hit me over the head with an idea. Right, right. And it, it's kind of like you, like you with the, you know, let's go. The, yeah, yeah. The, the Jane's Addiction stuff. That's yeah. what it is in art to me. Yeah, you know, I, like, I, I totally get it's that. It's pandering to... You know, I understand that it's her ideology, but it's like... Right. Well, it had um, like a, a fried egg and that represented women or yeah. her and stuff. Uh, I did think it was well done and I understood where she was coming from. I think she was... Her she her message was more conveyed than Janusz's. While Janusz, the, they kept saying he's uh, very talented, technical. Would you almost say she was more kind of passionate, emotional artist. He's more technical artist. Yeah, I would give you that. Yeah. yeah. And so when they revealed the winner, how did you feel? Were you like, whatever? Or were you like, ah, I can see why. I mean, it, either way, I kind of, I mean, on the technical standpoint, because it was, I, I was rooting for John Yush. Mm-hmm. And that was just me. It's like, yeah, I yeah. Like, his artwork spoke more to me than hers did. Yeah. It was. I was more Yanush, and and I have that kind of a. My, my mind works like his. It's a kind of a technical. I want things. Yeah, right. yeah. I and think I started getting more emotional and following Deborah after that. I yeah. do think she's kooky, and I uh-huh. think she's uh, very intense. But uh, I like that she's coming from an emotional place, and she made me feel something with the potato thing, like. Uh, most of the stuff I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But I actually felt something emotional when I looked at that. The other guy who did everything was encased in a jar that he did. Yeah. I was like, he's repeating himself. Like he keeps doing the same thing. And, uh, they did the group thing where teams of two, uh, had they eliminated somebody in that episode, Yanush would have been gone. Don't you think with the, he did the bubbles, they did a group thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he did the bubbles. And I was like, he did the weakest one. Oh, my God. Are they really going to eliminate Yanush in this episode? They're like, nobody goes home. And I was like, oh, he's safe. Because I really think he would have been gone in that episode. Because I think he kind of rested on his laurels a bit in that. In that Didn't make the tap. bubbles as clean as. Yeah, he was just kind of like, you know, it's a team thing. And it's, you know, it's kind of hard to. I don't even remember what Deborah's and the other guys was. I don't remember. What was it? Oh, it was the chalice, science and religion. Oh yeah, okay. That was okay. It was fine, I guess. But the, their the their issue was the uh, the size difference between their two. Mm-hmm. They had a scale issue. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, you have a scale issue here. You got that's got to be hard. So I'm not because they didn't they didn't uh, talk at the beginning. It's like, all right, well, I'm making beakers and stuff. Oh, you're making oversized beakers. Yeah. You know, it's like when you think of somebody's making a beaker, you know, it's like, okay, it's, you know, six, eight inch, 10 inches tall. You know, if you were, if you're thinking logically like a real beaker, it's like, no, you're going artistic. I'm going to blow it out of proportion. So, yeah, it's kind of, I was just thinking how hard it is to collaborate with another artist on something, but especially glass blowing. You know what I mean? Like. That's pretty hard. And I thought it was interesting they showed, because usually they do the reveal, the presentation at the end, and some things are hanging up. But finally in the last episode, they showed them actually hanging everything. Yeah. And, like, how scary would that be? Like, I need you to hang this 30-pound uh, glass. glass frying pan from the ceiling, please. And it's just like, I'm going to drop this shit. I know it. <laughs> you know? 
but I think the show is very interesting. It's neat seeing artists work and, uh, I can't wait to see another season of it because, you know, there's got to be another season, right? And I don't mind, you know, I don't mind Kooky Artists because I, yeah, I, yeah. I liked, what's his name? The the um, Suck Lord. Yeah, the Suck Lord. Yeah, I and, think uh, I... And it's, her kookiness was just kind of other to me. I don't know. I felt that way in the beginning, but she won me over is, is uh, I think, what it I, was. I grew more annoyed with her. <laughs> I, and I, you know... Why well, certainly her hair drove me insane. Oh, I no, no, her style had nothing to do with it. No, but I mean, if you're going to blow glass, I would tie it up where you know it just wouldn't be all over my face and stuff. You know, yeah, I would have more Yanush type hair. Did you like that kind of Ed Grimley thing he had? At the end? <laughs> I was like, whoa, he's changed his hair here. Uh, I guess he got tired of it all hanging in his face too. But uh, I think the show. Uh, is very neat. Yes, Adam, you missed the voicemails. This is at the beginning. <laughs> you can catch it on the podcast. So are you in for another season? They oh, do yeah, it? I'd watch it again. I think it's very cool. It's like the, 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 the next great artist or whatever it was. If they did more of that, that'd have been great. Yeah. I always enjoyed that show. Usually most of the time, every artist annoyed the crap out of me. You know? This but, this not so much, you know. But I, I see it that it, it, to to time frame somebody and say, okay, you've got four hours to go. Yeah. It's just like I don't work like that. And yeah, personally, yeah. I know I'm. Would you be eliminated pretty early? Oh yeah, yeah. I'd like I didn't finish. You know, just yeah. forget, forget, uh, sue here. me. Okay. Here I made it in thirty minutes. This is it. Yeah. I'd be that guy. The worst is when somebody break. I'd gla- say that, or I, or it would like. I'm not done yet. I need six more hours. You <laughs> yeah. know? I liked depends. when sometimes they would break something and have to start over, but sometimes they would pick it up and come here, come here, come here. And they'd attach it and they'd keep going. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. How just because it falls and breaks on the floor doesn't mean it's over. You can still sometimes save it. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty cool. Now, Yunusha's first piece was fantastic. I That one was awesome. What was it? I don't remember. That was the one where you had to bring a personal item in, and they, he brought a photo of him and his son. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had the, essentially, had the, the, they look like the pegs from life, little Yeah, figures, the little blue figures. And the little, yes, and I thought that was very cool. the clear one that was him and the little blue one that was his son. You know what? I like the guy. They had to do something to do with stuff in a bathroom, which I thought was silly. But the guy did a giant pill bottle with pills uh-huh. i thought that was pretty cool yeah and uh he gave him textures to even look like a pill yeah with like powder on it i thought that was really cool uh you knew she did like i said he did the hairbrush and that i forgot what deborah did in that one what did she she did toothpaste, toothpaste she did yeah. that was kind of like kitschy looking that's when the you, one where i thought she should have been eliminated because when you do actual objects like literal sometimes it just works again well, oh she did a big thing of like aqua fresh glob yeah that's mm-hmm. that's the one that is like it's disproportionate to the tube well the guy who and did so the towel like, on hanging on a towel rack they're yeah, like this was that's why i said i thought those two were the two bottom ones for well, me. Well, what I thought he got kind of screwed. It's just like a towel. Are you guys effing essing me? I'm like, uh, this is glass. I got to make a glass towel. <laughs> I just thought that was funny that he had to do a towel and everyone else is doing objects. He got kind of screwed. I thought. Well, he could have. I mean, there, I could see different ideas for it myself. Mm-hmm. And, could you have put something in there to make it look kind of terry clothish? Maybe. Well, no. Remember, it was paper towels, wasn't it? Oh, Isn't did he rub that on there? Roll? I don't know. 
I think it was a paper towel roll. I watched them all back to back. So yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed the show. I think it's cool. But uh, which I think that's where you get screwed because there shouldn't have been paper towel roll in the bathroom unless you're. Mm-hmm. You know, I like was trying to think of restroom. other things. I think it would have been cool if somebody had to do like a faucet or something, if like a glass a hand, faucet, a hand towel or something. Yeah, a glass faucet or a shower head, maybe or something. Yeah, maybe water it's like, like splash. Like just rain at the end was mm-hmm. those long strips with a of little, glass with a bead on the end to yeah. look like rain. I like how they were looking at it. And goes, oh wait, that's rain right there. I see. Yeah, and it's just like you're one of the judges. You need to pay attention, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what did you think of that host guy? Should he be back next season? Well, I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> okay. I just thought, I was like, who is this guy yeah. in every episode? It's like, what are your credentials, buddy? Yeah. He's he's probably like, I created the show, asshole. <laughs> I, I pitched it. I'm money. Yeah, I pitched this to Netflix. That's <laughs> how I'm on the show. All right, Stephen, let's take a break. When we get back, we'll do some news. What do you say? Sounds good. All right, everybody, we'll be right back. Can I go and lie down, please? Hey, dead burnage! What's wrong? They left without breakfast again. What are you serving? Beans. What else? How about fruit flavors? Fruit? That's different. Come follow my nose. Got a nose big as Texas. It's always nose. Whoa, Come on, Fruit Loop cereal. With natural orange, lemon, and cherry flavors and a full day supply of vitamin C. Part of this complete breakfast. Well? Little birdie, I'm making Fruit Loops my brand. <laughs> It's a bright idea to dunk it, or to crunch it, or unscrew it, or to lick it, or to trick it. But no matter what you do, it's true. It's fun to munch a creamy, crunchy chocolate. O-R-E-O goes great with imagination. Puts the yum in your creation. Oreo and Oreo Double Stuffed Cookies. Here comes Federal Express. Ready on the ground. This is the Federal Express Air Cargo Playset. The van delivers packages to the airport. They're put in containers, loaded on trailers, and taken to the plane. Wow. The door is opened, and a real conveyor system inside the plane moves the containers into the cargo bay. Now Federal Express takes off again with cargo for Phoenix, New York, Miami. The Federal Express Air Cargo Playset comes with everything you see here from Play School. In the future... Cities will become deserts. Roads will become battlefields. And the hope of mankind will appear as a stranger. The Road Warrior. Now playing at selected Toronto theaters. Consult your listings. The Transformers. More than meets the eye. Transformers from Hasbro. One little, two little, three little cabbage patch, four little, five little, six little cabbage patch, seven little, eight little, nine little cabbage patch, all cabbage patch kids. Brown hair, red hair, no hair cabbage patch, hug them, kiss 
Cabbage Patch Kids Posable Figures, each sold separately from Panache Place. The most advanced video game you can play is awaiting your discovery at Showbiz Pizza Place. The princess is held captive, and only the brave knight, Dirk the Daring, can save her. With sophisticated laser disc animation, you'll move Dirk through the innumerable dangers of the enchanted castle to rescue the beautiful princess. Dragon's Lair, the supreme adventure in video games, brand new at Showbiz Pizza Place. It's the Mickey Mouse talking phone. Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, we're for a party. You call Donald Duck. Okay. With the Mickey Mouse talking phone, the battery is not included. It's Donald. Come on over. With the Mickey Mouse talking phone, you can call six different Disney characters. Yup, you guessed it. I'm Goofy. Hi, Goofy. Mickey Mouse talking phone from Hasbro's preschool division. Morning, kids. It's a Pac-Man day with my crispy corn cereal coming your way. With marshmallows. Delicious. I'm Pinky. I'm Blinky. I'm Pinky. I'm Clyde. With the marshmallows, you'll find inside. There goes a pet pup and Pinky too. He's marshmallow. You can chomp him too. Part of this nutritious breakfast. It's with marshmallows. Delicious. Dragon Walker, Battle Armor, He-Man, and Skeletor and Merman each sold separately. Battery is not included. He-Man, may the mightiest power prevail. New Dragon Walker vehicle for use with most Masters of the Universe figures. Action figures each sold separately from Mattel. T-O, power takeoff, body of steel, soft rubber wheels. Power to lift. PTO, power take off. Headlight spark. Shine in the dark. PTO, power take off. Pull yourself up if you get stuck. PTO, power take off. Big steel body PTO. Each sold separately from Buddy L. Making things with light. Light bright makes them glow so bright. A steamboat, a ticket. And with Light Bright refills, you can make cute baby strawberries and brave G.I. Joe, my little pony, and others you know. You're my cabbage patch kid. Light Bright, light bulb not included, from Hasbro. Welcome to Mystery Mansion, the spookiest game in town. Somewhere in Mystery Mansion, there's a chest of gold. But who can find it? You keep adding rooms, searching, searching. It all confuses Eagle. There are secret passages, locked doors, great keys, and villains lurking everywhere. Ask the butler to bring you Mystery Mansion, the spookiest game in town. More fun for Milton Bradley. The new Shrinky Dinks Rainbow Bright playset by Color Forms. Rainbow Bright? First, color the Rainbow Lamb characters. Cut them out, then into the oven, and they shrink like magic. Put them on stands, and you're ready to play in Rainbow Land. Beware. 
Ricky and Lurky. Yeah. And for more fun, here's the Rainbow Bright Rub and Play Transfer Set to create your own Rainbow Bright Action Poster. The Shrinky Dinks Rainbow Bright Play Set. Some assembly required. It's color forms fun. Who is Dark Man? I gotta tell you something about me. He's a cockroach. You think you're killing us? And he pops up someplace else. In the darkest hour, there's a light that shines on every human being. But one. Dark Man, rated R. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. Morgan Brittany and Sammy Davis Jr. on Star Search, 8 p.m. Sunday. Bet you can't do it. Are you kidding? Bet you can't bite a new Chips Ahoy cookie without biting a chip. No problem. See, you bit one. One more chance. Chips Ahoy has added lots more pure chocolate. Now there's 24 chips in every cookie, so we bet you bite a chip every time. That was just practice. Bit one, huh? It's no fair. It's full of chips. When you bite a new Chips Ahoy, we bet you bite a chip. Disco. Who puts the future in your hands? Who gives you robots to command? Who lets you build fighting creatures wilder than a movie feature? Robotics, you create them, you control them. Who puts the future in your hands? Who gives you robots to command? R2000 comes with what you see here. Batteries not included. R1000 sold separately from Milton Bradley. Are you hungry? Hungry as a gremlin? Here's gremlin cereal. Gremlins, gremlins, bite after bite. What a tasty way to satisfy a gremlin appetite. Gremlins is a deliciously sweet, crunchy cereal that satisfies the hungry little gremlin. That's in all of us. Gremlins, gremlins, bite after bite. What a tasty way to satisfy a gremlin appetite. Gremlin cereal is part of this complete breakfast. Gremlin, yum, yum. Grimace, here's a record by my favorite group, the McDonald's Happy Meals. Hot sauce, hamburger, soft fries, all regular size. When it comes to being happy, you guys hold the record. No, you're holding the record. Teacher, here's an apple for you. Oh, thank you. When you buy a McDonald's School Days Happy Meal, the games can make learning neat. There's even a surprise inside, like a Ronald pencil sharpener. Four different School Days Happy Meal boxes at participating McDonald's. I'm going to have me some fun. Well, I'm sure it's wine o'clock somewhere, right? Oh, yeah, it's wine o'clock, Stephen. Oh, liquid lunch. <laughs> mm, that was from Four Weddings and a Funeral when the girl 
Miss Andy from uh, Game of Thrones, Natalie Manuel, uh, she is slept with this senator. She was having an affair with him. And instead of him, the wife shows up. She's like, oh, my God. And the guy's like, hello, gal pals. <laughs> you know, he's like the nicest guy ever. He's like, hey, gal pals. I'm Steven. I'll be helping you ladies out. <laughs> and it's like the most awkward confrontation, but he keeps coming back with stuff like it's funny. Do you like that his name is Steven? No. <laughs> He's the devil. Oh, my yes, God. He is. Well, Steven, what do you say we do? Some entertainment news. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah, that's a great A, I reckon. Yeah, great A news, Stephen. I don't know if you knew this, but CBS All Access is doing a limited series adaptation of The Stand. Now, The Stand is a novel by Stephen King. Correct. Uh, Correct. Correct, sir. But this news came out today. Stephen King's post-apocalyptic horror classic The Stand has been adapted for television before for the ABC miniseries in 1994. But CBS All Access upcoming limited series, The Stand, will bring a twist that will have fans buzzing, Stephen. Yeah, because I think Stephen King wrote the last episode, I think, Mm -hmm. if I understand right. A new ending crafted by King. That's right. The streamer (laughs) announced at the TCA Thursday that King will write the last episode of the nine-episode series, providing a new coda that won't be found in the book. For fans of the book who have wondered what became of the survivors of The Stand, this episode will contain a story that takes us beyond the book to answer those questions, said CBS All Access EVP Julie McNamara. A continuation to The Stand, we can't wait to share that with the world. The CBS All Access limited series, oh, oh, that's a big title, is written by Josh Boone and Ben Cavell. Boone had developed a relationship with King while trying for years to mount a screen adaptation of The Stand as a movie or series of movies. Out of the duo's discussions came the idea for a new act penned by King. The prolific horror author has lamented in interviews that he wasn't quite happy with the ending of the book, so he likely sparked to the idea of writing a new one. Oh, this is a new one. I didn't know he was unhappy with it. Did you? Is this something he said for years? This is a new invention. I hear the new material will pick up right after the events of the novel. The script is still being written, but I hear that the follow-up will be a substantial part of the final episode, not a brief epilogue at the end. Starring James Marsden, Amber Heard, Odessa Young, Henry Zaga, The Stand is King's apocalyptic vision Try to say that fast, Stephen. Apocalyptic vision of the, a world decimated by plague and embroiled in an elemental struggle between good and evil. The fate of mankind rests on the frail shoulders of the 108-year-old Mother Abigail and a handful of survivors. Their worst nightmare are in their worst nightmares are emboiled. In, no, that's not the word, Jason. Their worst nightmares are embodied <laughs> in a man with a lethal smile and unspeakable powers. Randall Flagg, the Dark Man. The Dark Man? That's Peyton Westlake. He's everywhere, nowhere. Call him Dark Man. He's the walking dude, right, Stephen? Yep. 
Yes. I won a pink elephant for my girlfriend. Yeah, there's a clip from uh, The Stand. So what do you think about that, Stephen? Uh, well, I don't have the CBS All Access. You don't have CBS All Access? Well, let me ask you this. This happens to be our new uh, other story. Uh, have you noticed that there's no CBS on DirecTV, Stephen? No, I haven't noticed. Because you haven't been home or anything? Yeah, yeah. We always watch CBS local news. We don't watch any of the other channels. Heather watched Stephen Colbert. Luckily, we had the CBS All Access app anyway. Like, I paid for it for us to watch something a while back, but I never canceled it, as they're hoping you do. Uh, well, CBS has not been on DirecTV for two weeks now. Like, nothing. It's just, like, it doesn't exist. Right. You can't get it, because they're in a, a war yeah. with each other. Bidding war. Yeah. So I see this article and it just makes me mad because I want CBS back on our DVR where uh, we can record the news. Um, basically on the CBS app on Roku, you can watch live TV. You can watch the live channel. So that's how we've been watching it. Or, you know, like Colbert and something, each episode goes up the next day. If you want to watch it kind of like Hulu. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to watch it the same night, you got to watch it when it comes on like old TV, like before DVRs or VCRs uh-huh. are invented. Well, CBS All Access has been has seen a subscriber uptick since CBS went dark on DirecTV in a carriage battle. Now, it's not just DirecTV. It's AT&T that's in a battle with CBS. AT&T, so people who have AT&T cable, they can't watch it right. either. CBS may be hurting from the nearly two-week-old blackout born of its carriage dispute with AT&T, but CBS All Access is reaping some of the benefits. We have seen an uptick since AT&T blacked us out admitted an almost sheepish CBS interactive boss, Mark DeBevoe, a guy named Mark. Today at TCA of the small screen battle and the subscription screamer, CBS stations in New York, LA, and across the nation have been dark since July 20th. That's a long time. Usually when these things happen, like Viacom channels go off, it's like two days max. This has been the longest I've ever seen it. As the 2012 Inc. contract with DirecTV, AT&T owned satellite giant DirecTV, DirecTV Now, and Uverse Cable Systems officially expired, fans of the just-renewed Love Island and Big Brother turn on their local CBS station in the infected markets. They find a slate from DirecTV that says, CBS has removed this channel from your lineup. Despite a request to keep it available to you, like they're oh, they're blaming it on yeah. them, advocating that loyal CBS viewers leap over to now sued and AT&T I'm not doing this very good advocating that loyal CBS viewers leap over to now sued and AT&T backed low cast app. You can also watch CBS programming on cbs.com or with a subscription to the CBS all access app. Low cast is like this strange app that it's like, uh, we broadcast what's over the air in your neighborhood. You can watch it for free. We will accept donations to keep us in uh, going. And you download it on your Roku or whatever, and you can watch CBS that way. But it's a really shitty app, and it doesn't work half the time <laughs> because I, I tried high, it. I got a high-def local antenna, so I can still Yeah, watch. that's great. Like, if you have a local antenna, you're fine. They even have little DVR things, or you can go right to your computer, and you could uh, or hard drive, 
And you can record shows over the air on your antenna on a DVR and watch it on your tablet or your phone or so your if computer. You your, if you look at the guide, is it just all blank because you don't even tell you what shows are on it? It tells you what shows are on it. In fact, oh, okay. Heather has Stephen Colbert like a uh, season pass and it records a blank screen every night. And I'm like, have you deleted these? <laughs> There's like five blank screen episodes. <laughs> Though CBS and DirecTV are said to be talking, there is little urgency to the discussion in the heat of summer as CBS All Access picks up more paying customers. See, right now, there's no NFL. There's no primetime shows. It's a lot of reruns, a lot of shitty shows like Love Island and Big Brother. So people are like like us. Don't care. Yeah, we're like, uh, I'll watch. We had the app anyway. Heather's a little annoyed that she can't watch the news every night. Uh, unless she's sitting in front of the TV at 10 o'clock. But I kind of did something that I've always wanted to do. I did a free trial of, I tried direct TV now one time for a free trial. It's like seven days. You can try it for a week and stream TV just to see what it was like. I thought it's neat, but I'm so spoiled by having a DVR, a guide that I can see 15 days in the future, I can have the channels the way I want them on the box, my favorites, etc. When you go to these uh, online uh, streaming things, they usually have all the channels in alphabetical order, like AMC, ABC. Oh, God, it's so annoying. I want all the local channels at the top and then slowly work my way down numerically, right? That's the way I like it. That's the way it's been for like years. Direct TV. Yeah. yeah. So on these things, like I tried Hulu TV. I, I still have it the a seven-day... Um, trial. And first thing I did is I season past the news. They have like a 50 hour cloud DVR. It just, you know, you can tag it. And then when you look in your DVR, they're there. So I can, we can get the news until next Friday when I cancel it. So I don't get charged anything, (laughs) but I'm just trying it out now. And while I think it's neat, it's a neat idea there's things that drive me nuts about it. First of all, the guide sucks ass. I can look at the next program. I can't even look further. I can't keep scrolling into infinity. Uh, all the channels are in a certain set order that I can't rearrange. So I have to go alphabetically. So, okay. You're used to going from Fox to NBC to ABC to CBS to PBS, right? You can't do that because it starts out with ABC. Then you got to keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Okay, there's CBS. Keep going, you want your going, local going, channels going. right there. Like way down there. Oh, there's NBC. Like way down here. And it's just, it's, it's really like the hotels that I'm in. They're, they're mm-hmm. kind of all over. And I told Heather, I go, this would be cool if we had no other options. But we do have other options. So I don't want it. You know what I mean? If they had it where... It was very customizable. Like, I can arrange the channels any way I want, and I could do this. And it had an actual freaking grid guide. I actually heard Hulu has a grid guide that they've developed that they're launching, but it's not on Roku's yet. I was like, yeah, you need that. You need that day one, okay? Because people are used to having guides. The DirecTV Now ones suck, too. And they've even, AT&T, when they bought DirecTV, they're like, yeah, we're not going to change anything. They've already changed it from... Direct TV now, it's now AT&T TV, which sounds d- ridiculous. There's too many T's in there. <laughs> so I was told Heather, I go, if there's no CBS after next week, uh, I'll try the free trial of YouTube TV next because they have these 
uh, streaming uh, TV services and you always get like a week trial. And I'm like, I could just try each one and see what they're like, you know, just for fun, for shits and giggles. So anyway, CBS has had an uptick in subscribers to CBS All Access because nobody has CBS. And it is cool because they have Star Trek on there, and I want to watch that. And I was telling Heather, there's no sense in canceling this because we're going to watch Picard when it comes on. And uh, they have... Um, just, there's so many services now. Here's $5. Here's $10. Yeah, the, happy, the thing that made me happiest is this isn't part of the story, but uh, Disney owns Hulu now. And they're they're going to put out in November, they're going to launch the Disney Plus app. It's going to have all their Star Wars shows, all their Marvel shows. So I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to get that. But they announced that they will make it a part of Hulu where you can just have Disney part of your Hulu package. I'm like, okay, that way I don't have to get a whole new app or whatever. I mean, if you have a Roku, that's pretty cool. But if you don't, it's annoying, you know, because you have it all. And that's the thing. Uh, Heather's mom, she's like, I don't have CBS. What do I do? And I'm like, well, you can download the CBS All Access app. How do I do that? And I'm like, I'm going to come over there. I'll be over there in a minute. (laughs) And they have a Roku and I downloaded it and I go, here's how you do this. And we set up the account and I was like, see, you have these shows here and you can watch local. You can do live TV. And she's like, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, yeah. So, but not everybody's going to know how to do this to get, uh, like, you call DirecTV and complain, hey, I don't have CBS. And they're like, oh, you can get the CBS All Access app. They're like, what is that? How do I get that app? My parents. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. DirecTV needs to just pay them whatever money they owe them. Bastards. Okay. It's even next door. <laughs> the Boys. Remember me talking about how much I love The Boys? I don't remember that. The bo- I read this and I laughed. The boys ditched one racy scene for being too expensive to shoot, but it might surface in season two. And I was like, oh, Jesus, give me a break. What happens? Does someone swim up someone's ass or something? Amazon's <laughs> The Boys skewers superheroes while bringing the ultra v- the ultraviolet. Did you see that typo? While bringing the the ultraviolet and ultrasexual comic book from writer Garth Ennis to life, the series is graphic and extreme in some of the most hilarious ways imaginable, and that includes sex scenes. There's a superhero orgy with an Ant-Man knockoff holding his own, and one female soup gets carried away during oral sex. And then there's the lewd scene starring Homelander that was simply too much for Amazon to stomach. Showrunner Eric Kripke has now revealed that there's another racy moment that wasn't filmed for practical reason, but he's got his finger crossed that it will surface in the next round. Yes, the boys announced a second season renewal during San Diego Comic-Con and before the series even debuted, and Kripke already thinking about how to shoot that missing moment that would have cost too much for the first season budget. Oh, this sounds like the Night King getting it on, and I'll never get it out of my head. Here's what Eric Kripke told Entertainment Weekly. You might not believe some of the items written on the whiteboard in the writer's room for the boys. On one Kripke's wish list... For the sex club scene was an Iceman having sex with a woman doggy style when she's wearing a fur coat. That, believe it or not, didn't get rejected because anyone clutched their pearls. It was rejected because it was logistically too difficult to mount on our budget, the showrunner says. But now he's writing that down as something to take on in season two. The fur coat is a nice touch, right? So practical, and it sounds like the series is only going to grow more absurd the next time around. Do you see? That's what it is. They're just 
coming up with outrageous shit to okay. the show. Let's see how far we can push TV. Iceman having sex with a woman. And she's wearing a fur coat because he's cold. Because she's cold? Yeah, she's cold, so she's wearing a fur coat. It's a funny gag, huh? So he didn't have enough money for that, and he wants to bring it back. That's his vision for season two. Why, is that, why was that too hard? To... I don't know. I, I mean, it, the, the show looks like they spent a lot of money could, on it. You could cover most of it with the fur coats, you know. All right. Speaking of streaming services, Stephen, Netflix released the first trailer for Martin Scorsese's Irishman, starring Robert De Niro. De Niro. De Niro. It's my fault. De Niro. Robert De Niro. Oh, okay. You've been saying it wrong all these years. <laughs> How does he get paid? All right, Stephen. So uh, Robert De Niro stars in this new trailer. Now, let me read this to you. Fresh off the news that Martin Scorsese's next gangster movie, The Irishman, will open the 57th New York Film Festival on Friday, September 27th. Netflix has dropped the first trailer for the highly anticipated film. Up to this point, all we'd seen was the teaser that aired during the Oscars. The Irishman, which stars Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, and more... I even heard Harvey Keitel's in it has been in the works for years with De Niro and Scorsese talking about making the film since at least 2010. Oh, that's a long time ago. Based on Charles Brandt's book, I Heard You Paint Houses, The Irishman, tells the story of a mafia hitman, Frank Sheeran, who is rumored to be involved with the assassination of John F. Kennedy and Jimmy Hoffa. That's right, Stephen. Jimmy F. and Hoffa. The cast also... Includes Joe Pesci, who was last seen on screen in 2010 as Pennsylvania mob boss Russell Buffalino. Sure, I massacred that. And supporting roles for Harvey Cattell, Bobby Cannavale, Anna Paquin, Ray Romano, and Jesse Plemons. The biggest talking points surrounding the film, however, have been the technology used to de-aged stars. That's right. Get a glimpse at a young Robert De Niro, among others, in this trailer. Wow. Everybody's getting de-aged now in these things, Stephen. Isn't that cool? Yes. I'd like to be de-aged. Tell the truth, you're looking for sympathy. Is that it, sweetie? Hey. All right, here we go, Stephen. The phone ringing? Somebody answer that phone. Hello? Hey, my friend. I got that kid I was talking to you about here. I'm going to put him on the phone and let you talk to him, okay? Hello? I'm going to go get the papers, get the papers. Yes. Hiya, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. Glad to meet you. Glad to meet you, too, even if it's over the phone. Our friend speaks very highly of you. Thank you. Only three people in the world have one of these. And only one of them is Irish. I heard you paint houses. Yes, I do, sir. Where are you going? Going to work. What's that sound? Well, you know, there's a situation going on now, Frank. Big business and the government, they're trying to pull us down. You might be demonstrating the failure to show appreciation. Joe Pesci, he looks kind of like the guy from Puck. Ed Asner. Mr. Big Picture. <laughs> Sooner or later. So Get the gun out of his hand! Everybody put here as a date. 
money's gonna go. You want to be a part of this fight? Would you like to be a part of this history? Yes, I would. Whatever you need me to do, I'm available. Whoa, CGI De Niro, that's awesome. He likes to talk, don't he? What do you think, Steven? You mean I get to watch this on the, the Netflix? I don't gotta go to no theaters or nothing? Yeah. Oh, forget about it, Steven. Oh, man, that's awesome. As long as Johnny two times is in it. What the whole world is coming through? How do you like that? I love it, Steven. Not great. Jesus. Not great at all. No, it looks awesome. I think that looks cool. I can't wait to uh, watch that. I like the Netflix and all that kind of stuff. You like uh, the streaming, Stephen? I do like the streaming. Uh, now, Stephen, last week you said you didn't have a Netflix account. How are you streaming usually? I watch it with Melissa. All right. Does she watch it on a Roku or a smart TV? Something like that? Uh, the uh, Fire Stick, I think. Fire Stick, gotcha. She's got like Roku. She's got like a couple different devices or something. I know she has a Fire Stick. And, uh, yeah, those devices are so cheap now. Yeah. Like I was even thinking about like, you probably don't, I don't know if you watch a lot of TV winter on the road or you just put the TV on, you don't really care or whatever right? that much. Like if you had a Roku stick with you and just brought it with you, you could plug it into whatever I know TV. Early on that they were saying that it was so hard because logging it into the low, the, yeah, you don't know how good your internet speed's right. going to be. It may buffer the whole time or something. There's peak times on the certain hotels, you know, it's like... Yeah. That is not for me, no. It's like right after work till about 9 o'clock, it's just like so bogged down. Yeah. Is it like when you're also, when you get to your hotel, you just want to turn the TV on and just fall asleep or do whatever anyway? Nope, I, I, I'm just the opposite. I'll sit up and uh, I don't go to sleep right away. <laughs> uh, are you wired? Uh, I, I, I mean, that's how I got... Put on all my extra weight. I go back to and sleep till you get to go to dinner. Come back, eat, you know, and mm-hmm. then go to sleep again. Now it's like I force myself. I sit in a chair. There's usually a desk. I sit in the desk chair, uh, watch TV. I've got my computer. I may do some paperwork on As, that. Uh, you watch I, Blown Away on the road? Yeah, I watch that. Like on your laptop? On my laptop, yeah. Cool. And that's decent enough signal? Didn't buffer and stuff? No, not too. Nothing. Why? Oh, do I have any more news stories, Stephen? I don't know. Please. I do. I want to read this story to you. It's how The Rock and Jason Statham make sure they never lose a fight in the Fast and the Furious movies. I thought this was silly. Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jason Statham refuse to lose a fictional fight in the Fast and the Furious franchise movies and both go to extreme lengths to make sure they never get beat down by bad guys. According to an intriguing new report in the Wall Street Journal, it's good to see they're covering important stories, reps for bald and brawny co-stars of the new Fast and the Furious spinoff, Hobbs and Shaw, and theaters now, always make sure they preserve their badass on-screen images. Statham reportedly negotiated an agreement with the studio that limits the extent to which he can be beaten up. While Johnson has enlisted producers, editors, and fight coordinators who make sure he always gives as good as he gets. Wall Street Journal also points to a specific scene in the 2015 Furious 7 in which one 
of Statham and Johnson's brawls is abruptly ended when a helicopter fires a missile demolishing the ground beneath them. Apparently, that ridiculous stoppage was choreographed because neither wanted to lose the fight. But it's their fellow Chrome Dome Fast and the Furious co-star Vin Diesel Chrome Dome who really takes the cake for the most outlandish fight scene request. Diesel reportedly makes his sister watch rehearsals and count how many times he gets punched so the actor can get his licks back in. In other Fast and the Furious news, check out the ungodly 1,650 horsepower, 19, horsepower 1970 Dodge Charger rest a mod that diesel was gifted for this what uh for his 52nd birthday why why is that part of this story i read that i can never get that time back in my life i don't know why i read that steven two I, seconds i feel like i got totally fished in at that what do you think you did bastards what'd you think of that story steven it was stupid terrible all right well we got the peanut gallery in the background <laughs> hello heather story. Stephen, what do you say we do some DVDs? Let's do it. Alright, let's do some DVDs. Ow! Let's do some DVDs. Let's do some DVDs. Let's do some DVDs. DVDs! 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 HD Blu-ray Standard Definition! Oh, hell yizzle, the DVD dizzle. Steven, did I mess you up there? No. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I think I messed up. I think I sorry. This week I'm really right. sorry. I never meant to hurt you. I swear. I'm so sorry. Straight up. I'm sorry. Don't That's you blame fault. yourself. I did it. I'm sorry. Holy shit, man. I, I am so sorry. How could I? I'm so sorry. It's my fault. I didn't even think about you. It's my fault. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love the, my fault. My fault. Oh. The guy's full of shit. Yes, exactly. All right, Stephen. Uh, let's see. Where's the DVDs? DVDs for August 6th. 6th, 2019. The first movie we have is Amazing Grace. This film was made in 1972. In January 1972, Aretha Franklin performed over two days with a gospel choir at Temple Missionary Baptist Church in Southern California's Watts neighborhood, and the resulting live album Cold from those sessions became a massive hit. Fortunately, the director, Sidney Pollock, was also on hand to film the performances. Unfortunately, technical snafus meant that the resulting footage was completely unusable, but recent developments in digital technology finally enabled the film to be salvaged and it was held as an all-time great concert documentary when it was finally released late last year that sounds amazing can you imagine sitting on that footage going sydney portier was like oh damn it it got screwed up no one will ever see this and then last year finally i have a podcast recording that got ruined Stephen. that no one's ever heard i'm hoping years after my death <laughs> somebody will piece it together now. yeah here it is the sequel to the cloverfield episode <clears throat> <laughs> all right guys the next film is plus one what is plus one an audience award winner at this year's tribeca plus one is a rom-com from a pair of its first time feature directors andrew reimer and jeff chan jack quaid 
star of the Hunger Games and the boys. I just talked about him earlier. And Maya, Maya Erskine from Pen15 stars a pair of single college friends who agree to spend a busy summer of weddings as each other's dates. Critics, critics mostly felt that the film was able to overcome its formulaic nature with warm and winning performances with critics singling out Erskine as a breakout star. How does that sound to you, Stephen? Nice. Does this sound as uh, something that you'd want to see with the gal pals? Hey, gal pals. I'm Stephen. I'll be helping you ladies out. <laughs> nice. I definitely want to check that out. It sounds cute. That sounds cute. It sounds adorable. Can I go and lie down, please? No, you can't, Gordon. All right. Next DVD. <clears throat> and here's one that we're both going to pick up, Stephen. Pokemon Detective Pikachu. No, the world still doesn't have a good video game movie, but you can do far worse in the genre than this first ever live action adaptation of the Pokemon franchise and specifically the Detective Pikachu adventure game spinoff. Director Rob Letterman's film stars Justice Smith as a young man investigating the disappearance of his father with the help of his father's former partner. Detective Pikachu, voiced by Ryan Reynolds... Or Deadpool, if you will. Pokemon fans will probably find enough here to sustain interest. Others likely won't. What do you, okay, Stephen, I'm just curious. Are you interested? No. I'm not <laughs> no. It, no. When it's on cable, satellite, I'll watch it. Adam Sexton said that he heard that Amazing Grace was blocked from distribution or screenings because Aretha Franklin, because of her, not the quality of the footage. Oh, that's interesting. Um, maybe that's wrong. I don't know. <clears throat> the next film is The Souvenir. At the time of its release, following a series of ecstatic reviews that began with the world premiere at Sundance early this year, where it was the unanimous winner of Grand Jury Prize in World Cinema Competition, The Souvenir was 2019's highest scoring film, though it has since dropped all the way to number two behind an even better can hit. Are you going to make me click on this? Because I'm curious what it is. Uh, see, it just stops me down, Stephen. So did everyone leave that movie with a souvenir of souvenir? <laughs> I guess so. British writer-director Joanna Hogg pulls from her own life experience to tell the story of Julie. Newcomer Honor Swinton Byrne delivering what could be a star-making performance, a well-off but inexperienced cinema student who falls for a troubled Anthony. In the 1980s, it's her first real love, and Julie finds herself giving too much of her time and her parents. Money to Anthony, to the exclusion of her friends, and her budding career as a filmmaker. Swinton Burns real-life mother, Tilda Swinton, oh, plays her mother in the film, and Richard Iotes also makes an appearance. A sequel is already in production, The Souvenir. Hmm, sounds interesting. Portrait de la jeune felin fou. I don't. I can't say this. I just made a fool out of myself. All right, Stephen. Um, what else you got? I'm trying to find something that Stephen will really want to see. Yes. Ooh, this sounds good. Donnie Brook starring Adam Bartley. Ever heard of that, Stephen? Never heard of it. Three desperate souls must fight their way out of a dead-end world in the bracing, gut-punching glyphs into America's dark underbelly. 
Earl, played by Jamie Bell, is a struggling ex-Marine and father determined to make a better life for his family, no matter what it takes. Angus is a violent, unhinged drug dealer who leaves a trail of death and destruction in his wake. And Delia is a haunted woman who will do anything to escape a life of crime she can no longer bear. And the killer be killed world. All roads lead to the Donnybrook, an illicit backwoods cage match where bare knuckled fighters brawl for a shot at $100,000. This sounds awesome. Wasn't that better when it was called Every Which Way But Loose? <laughs> Yeah. What's funny is Donnybrook, it's something Razor always says in Stars games when they get in a fight. Oh, it's a Donnybrook, you know. So that's how I know that term. I know that uh, it comes out on two weeks from now, Avengers Endgame, but you can get it digitally now if you want, Steven. No, thanks. No, thanks. Seen it enough? I've only seen it twice. It's not as much fun if you don't have someone annoying you sitting next to you, right? Yeah, if somebody doesn't have a cell phone next to me or eating a bunch of food, cramming fistful of popcorn in their mouth, mm-hmm. I can't watch a movie like that. Yeah. I, what if I watched it with you at home and then I ate the whole time, crunched that popcorn? That would be fantastic. Wouldn't that be great? It's nice and crunchy. The next film is called The Curse of La Lorna, Stephen. <laughs> La Llorona. If Do you remember? What is it? La Llorona. My Sharona? <laughs> La Llorona. It's a Hispanic. I'm not lying, Stephen. <laughs> La Llorona? Yeah. The two words together is like dun, a Y. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> La 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 Lorna, la <laughs> la Lorona, the Weeping Woman. I remember we saw this trailer before a movie, and yeah. I went, "Oh hell no!" When I saw the trailer, <laughs> a Weeping Woman. Oh, was she crying? A horrifying apparition caught between heaven and hell, trapped in a terrible fate, sealed by her own hand. The mere mention of her name has wait. The mere mention of her name, I've said her name way. I said it wrong multiple times, so that doesn't I count. I said it right. Oh, no, Stephen! <laughs> in life, she drowned her children into jealous rage, throwing herself in a churning river after them as she wept in pain. Well, that's your fault, bitch. Now her tears are eternal. They're lethal, and those who hear her death call in the night are doomed. La Lorna... <laughs> Creeps in the shadows and preys on children, desperate to replace her own children. As a century, you can't do that. You you had yours, they're gone. You just got to move on. As a century, I mean, did she try to have more children? I mean, I don't understand. No, she threw herself in after. The- Why is she making this our problem? Is what I want to know. As the centuries pass, <laughs> I, I you know I have sympathy for her, but she shouldn't go around haunting and snatching children, Stephen. She should just become a succubus and have little ghost children. Yeah. Incubus, succubus. <laughs> That's the weeping woman. The only hope to survive La La Lorna's <laughs> deadly wrath may be a disillusioned priest <laughs> and the mysticism he practices to keep evil at bay on the fringes where. Fear and faith collide. Beware of her chilling wail, Stephen. <laughs> ah! She will stop at nothing to lure you into the gloom. Because there's no peace for her anguish. There's no mercy for her soul. There is no escape from the curse of La La Lorna. Sounds terrible. Are you scared, Stephen? 
know. I'm terrified. Well, Stephen, let's see if there's any more DVDs that sound good. What do you say? Oh, wait, this one is for Heather. One more Blu-ray. One more Blu-ray, and then we're going to move on to Rotten Tomatoes. All right, here we go. Um, Strike Back Season 6. Thomas Mac McAllister, Samuel Wyatt, and Grace Novin are sent by, by, are sent by, okay, there's a typo here. Sent by new their new. <laughs> okay. By their new. Thomas Mac McAllister, Samuel Wyatt, and Grace Novin are sent by their new commanding officer, Colonel Alexander Coltrane played by Jamie Bamber of Battlestar Galactica to locate the stolen contents of a fallen Russian bomber and run into a Russian operative, Katrina Zarkova. In the United Kingdom, this is the seventh season. Oh, okay. That's a nice little tidbit. So, uh, Strike Back is a really fun show. For some reason, we never finished the season, Heather. We'll get back to it, but Strike Back. It's a fun show. Have you ever watched it, Stephen? Just a bit over here you showed me. It comes on Cinemax. It's always got lot, lots of gunplay, lots of shooting, machine gun fire. It's always got, you know, hand-to-hand fights with knives and uh, stuff like that. Uh, I, one guy's super good-looking. It, yeah, it's got a really good-looking guy also, Stephen. So, <laughs> Stephen's... I'm not sure he's into that. He might be. He Go get my knife right now. I'm Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Now, Stephen, what do you say we do some Rotten Tomatoes? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's read some Rotten Tomatoes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Kel, you've lost it. Yes, I have. You say either. I say either. You say neither. And I say neither. Smell like stale tomato juice. Surprise, surprise. Yes, it does. It smells like so. Oh, Adam Sexton wants to know which guy Heather thinks is the hot guy. Um, is it Mac? No, he's not bad. But the other guy, Wyatt. Wyatt. Okay. All right, guys. Um, Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Let's see how that's doing on the old Rotten Tomato meter. We need a Rotten Tomato meter sound, Stephen. It takes forever to load Rotten Tomatoes on a Friday, so here's our loading music. Rotten Tomatoes is now loading.
is finally loaded, Stephen. Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. It is now 68% on the tomato meter, fresh, with a 91% audience score. That means families are going out of the theater in droves, high-fiving each other. They're having a swell old time. Hobbs and Shaw doesn't rev as high as the franchise's best installments, but gets decent mileage out of its well-matched stars and over-the-top action sequences. I love that it's like, well, not the best in the franchise. But not the worst. All right. Uh... Ever since hulking lawman Hobbs, a loyal agent of America's diplomatic security service, and lawless outcast Shaw, a former British military elite operative, first faced off in 2015's Furious 7, the duo have swapped smack talk and body blows as they've tried to take each other down. But when a cyber-genetically enhanced anarchist Brixton, played by... Idris Elba, they should have just called him Brexit, that would have been funny, gains control of an insidious bio-threat that could alter humanity forever and bests a brilliant and fearless rogue MI6 agent who just happens to be Shaw's sister, played by Vanessa Kirby. These two sworn enemies will have to partner up to bring down the only guy who might be badder than themselves. Alright, so let's read some reviews. Katie Walsh of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette while director David Leach, a former stuntman who helmed John Wick and Atomic Blonde, cooks up some truly breathtaking action sequences and stunts, some moments lose their crisp clarity. Ooh, that doesn't sound good, does it, Stephen? I am so sorry. James Barrera Dara Danelli of RealView says... There's a problem with the kinds of bloated action sequence that form the skeleton, muscle, and flesh of something like Hobbs and Shaw. It's called a lack of excitement. 2.5 out of 4. That's rotten in my book. 2.5 out of 4, Stephen. Average. Not bad. Kel, you've lost it. Average. David Sims, another barely adequate sequel, zooming into theaters on the sheer force of name, recognition and vanishing from memory just as quickly i want the i i like when they work in car uh car yeah car vernacular into their reviews barry hertz of globe and mail says the film is ridiculous and proud of it three out of four high five all right Wesley Morris of New York Times says the filmmakers so want to maintain the joshing between Johnson and Statham that the movie's ostensible action label and the lust Shaw fears Hobbs has for his sister feels like pretexts for the romantic comedy Hobbs and Shaw virtually is. All oh, would be so great if Hobbs and Shaw like hooked up at the end. Wouldn't it be like, oh, they, they're attracted to each other. That's what this is all about. They just need to do it. I can, That would be great. I would love to see all the bro dudes who are into muscle cars go, wait, what the hell's what? going on? Dude, are they? Oh. <laughs> Joe Morgenstern of the Wall Street Journal We're says, back and furious. <laughs> the action is impressive, and the stars are personally as well as gladiatorially appealing. But the filmmakers seem to have shot the treatment instead of the script and never bother with the script. <laughs> there was no script. The worst. All right, Stephen. Lauren Coates of Culture S says, Refreshingly, Hobbs and Shaw is a movie that knows exactly what it is. An action-packed star vehicle full of punchy dialogue and great chemistry. 
Frank Wilkins of Real Review says crashes and burns into a heap of crumpled intentions and unmet explanations. Oh, I love it. I don't think that guy liked it. Nope. Do you, Steven? No, not at all. I like when he says crashes like it's a car crash. All right, Nate Adams says, for someone who generally enjoys these films, I've liked the last three. I can't ignore the writing on the wall. The franchise is running out of gas quick. Another car thing. I love this. Can you think of any? Like, you you don't like the film. <laughs> this one's a lemon. <laughs> Runs a little flat. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jim Judy. Of Screen It. I love Jim Judy. It's been a while. It might be a good... Oh, wait, wait. It might be a good idea to finally turn off these engines. That is, unless the next offering is Fast and Furious Presents Hattie Shaw Goes on a Rampage. Full content review for parents, violence, profanity, etc. also. Um, I, that's what I've heard that the sister character, like, everyone loves her. So it's like... Get rid of the men and have an all-female version. Uh, Matt Rodriguez of Shakefire. Ooh, I like that name. Shakefire, Stephen. I never meant to hurt you. I swear. I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. Hobbs and Shaw is at its best when The Rock and Jason Statham are doing their thing, but it feels as long as the runway well, from Fast and the Furious. Did you hear that? <laughs> the movie feels as long as the runway from Fast and the Furious 6. <laughs> that was good. C+. I like he gives it a letter grade, so there's yeah. no Sandy Schaefer of Screen Rant says Hobbs and Shaw is partially successful in evolving the Fast and the Furious property, yet mostly comes off feeling like a branding exercise for The Rock. Oh, I knew it. The Rock, he's just trying to, he's just trying to whatever. Trying to whatever? Yes, Steven. <laughs> he's trying to set up his own franchise. Okay, Steven, uh, that's enough of that. Let's see what uh, other movies are out this week. Okay, uh, Jay Muse's new film called <laughs> Madness in the Method has one review, and it's bad. Brian Orndorff of Blu-ray.com says, There's something in the self-aware approach that's worth exploring, but Muse doesn't want to be entirely honest with himself. D+. Ooh. <laughs> All right, Stephen, the next film is called A Score to Settle, <laughs> starring Nicolas Cage, 7% Rotten. Okay. So why does it look like a zombie on the front cover there? I don't know. Diagnosed with a fatal condition. Oh, uh, Frankie Carver is released from prison after serving 19 years of hard time with only a short time left to live. Frankie must desperately try to make amends with the son he left behind. While he plots a bloody course of revenge, tracking down his old gang to make them pay one by one. Well, I want to see the part where he makes amends with his son. Sorry. I'm really sorry. I never meant to hurt you. I swear. I'm so sorry. Straight up. I'm sorry. Don't you blame yourself. I did it. I'm sorry. Holy shit, man. I, I am so sorry. How could I? I'm so sorry. It's my fault. I don't like how that shit works. All right. So Justin Lowe of The Hollywood Reporter says, eminently forgettable. Rotten. Glenn Kenny says a score to settle falls more on the not good column of the cage ledger. Adam Graham of the Detroit news says director Sean Koo 
manages to capture a few moments that will make the latest Nick Cage supercut of the actor's bizarre on-screen moments. Otherwise, this tale barely treads water and all but sinks with its ridiculous third-act twist, D. Noel Murray of the Los Angeles Times says, Without Cage, there'd be almost no reason to see this by-the-numbers revenge filler, a score to settle. With him, the movie isn't just watchable, it's occasionally riveting. Wow, he liked it. It's fresh. Asher Luberto of Film Threat says, At second glance, a score to settle reveals itself as a swarm of cliches that ring louder than bullets. Four out of ten. That's pretty bad. Kiko Martinez says, The dialogue is atrocious. One out of five. Melody Smith says, A score to settle ends with lots of bullets, but with very little bang. I give it a C. How to get burned. How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! Peter Sobzinski says, Cage at least makes a little bit of an effort, but since the film gives him nothing to play off of, those efforts are mostly in vain, and after a while, you find yourself hoping that Crazy Cage will finally kick in. This movie does not sound good, so uh, we won't go see it. (laughs) Well, Stephen, that's Rotten Tomatoes for tonight. So, um, if you will, will you meet me right over there? I'll be there in just a second. second. Right over there. No, no, no. There. There? Same right there. I'll be right there. Not great. Jesus. Not great at all. Thank you. Good night. Hey. Here all week, try the veal. And you've lost it you're pushing his buttons that's what you do all right everybody that was episode 309 of entertainment landfill yay so that means there's involved thank you guys so much for listening to the show it was uh very enjoyable to sit here with steven and talk about all sorts of tv shows and stuff and i hope you guys enjoyed it all our water Uh, excuse me uh also guys if you would Visit etlandfill.com. There you can find links to all of our shows. Also, you'll see I made a post there, and I did a little quick podcast about the new Witcher Book Club. And it tells you all about the first book, and I kind of talk about why I'm interested in it, and it gives you a list of all the books. And hopefully, everybody who wants to reads the book, and then baby's chewing on a paper plate. And then... We're going to do a podcast talking all about it. Steven, you ordered the book. You'll get it tomorrow. Are you going to dive right in that sucker? Are you going to dive right in? I'm going to dive right in. We want to commit. Like it's a pool. <laughs> I'm going to Diving right in. Just shit your pants and dive in and swim. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was going to do. So I'm really excited about The Witcher Book Club. I can't wait to record that first episode, then get right into the next book. I'm having a lot of fun with this. Mostly, I can't wait to talk about what I've been reading. It's been really exciting. I want to thank Adam and Carlos for sending in voicemails. Guys, I love Thanks, voicemails Carlos. and feedback. If you guys want to send some feedback, send it to nimpodcast at gmail.com. Just uh, record it on your phone and then attach that 
sound file into your email, send it my way. It's inspiring. Yes, it is. No. It epitomizes life. This show epitomizes life, Stephen. I am always amazed. <laughs> Me too. Uh, just what we do in this show. But uh, guys, thank you so much for listening, for the voicemail, as I said, for uh, participating in the show, all that kind of stuff. It's not against the rules. It's not against the rules, etc. But uh, most of all, Adam Howard, happy birthday to him. Yes. Happy birthday, Adam. That's right. Why? Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I said, Hey Adam, did you check out that rap I had in the break? And he's like, it was terrible. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. That's disgusting. But, uh, Steven, thank you much, f- so much for joining me today. And I'm so excited to get into the Witcher. We're going to go check out Hobbs and Shaw, man. We're into cars and stuff, man. We like cars. Have to see if there's available seats. <laughs> Front row, man. Who cares? Hey, gal pals. I'm Stephen. I'll be oh. helping you ladies out. Oh, I can see that, Stephen. There's my gal pals. There's an empty seat, but a woman on the left, a woman on the right, but there's a seat in between them, and you're like, you walk up and you're hey, like, Hey, gal pals. I'm Stephen. I'll be helping you ladies out. <laughs> I'll be helping you out. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. He's the devil. Oh my God. <laughs> Now, uh, Stephen, can you read the book in one week? That's what I'm going <laughs> to... You might as well do a little Seinfeld bashing while I'm at it. That's my work schedule, man. It's so dramatic. Yeah, so uh, we'll just keep that in mind. Uh... <laughs> I told you my work schedule this week was crazy. Where are you at? I was in Seattle. <laughs> so, Heather, we're doing a show right now. <laughs> no, so uh, let's wrap up the show. Uh Guys, thank you so much for listening. As I said, uh, also, if you want to become a patron, just click on become a patron on the website and you can see how to do that. And to all my patrons who've been so patient, I'm so glad to have done these three shows relatively back to back to back uh, for you guys because there was a long lull between episodes. There was. I'm glad to put out some content for you guys and hopefully... Hopefully you're enjoying it. I didn't hear from anyone that anyone was confused that ETL News Up 67 becoming ETL episode 308 was confusing in any way because nobody tells me anything. So hopefully nobody cares, right? They'll never know. I care. This is episode 309. And uh, Stephen, I'm going to let you pick what this week's show is going to be called. Maybe based on a drop. I'm thinking maybe... um, I'm thinking maybe I have an something. Idea of what I would call it? We could call it "Hey Gal Pals." <laughs> what would he call it? Oh, liquid lunch. Or well, I'm sure it's wine o'clock somewhere, right? Wine o'clock. Peanut butter grub. Peanut butter grub. <laughs> Wait, hoo hoos. Hoo hoos. Oh yeah, that's a great day, I reckon. <laughs> Green we need to find some hoo hoos. We need to find some hoo hoos, Stephen. Oh my God! Too much time in the bush. So you're not liking... Well, I'm sure it's wine o'clock somewhere, right? Wine o'clock, huh? No. Oh, damn it. Shoot it down. It's my fault. It's my fault. I'm sorry. Steven, are you sorry for that? The worst. (laughs) All right.
that, guys, what are you waiting for? Get out there, read the Witcher book, go see Hobbs and Shaw. No, go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's really good. Listen to the latest episode of Passing the Pending podcast where we have special guest, the Jaystrom from Entertainment Landfill. And see you next time. Right, Steven? See ya. Latest. This is not a piece of pop art. That's a great day, I reckon. Now this is podcasting. So that means there's sh- involved. Why would they do that? What the fuck is he doing, man? I am always amazed. I saw off. I never meant to hurt you. I swear. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I swear to God. It's so dramatic. Yep. What are they doing? Seriously, why would they do that, man? It epitomizes life. Can I go and lie down, please? Jesus Christ. I am so sorry. Surprise, surprise. It's my fault. Too much time in the bush. I don't have answers for you. We need to find some hoo-hoos. Well, I'm sure it's wine o'clock somewhere, right?